Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Everybody, right now, and if you are, like, driving on the road, be prepared for the gust of wind you're about to feel. All collectively as a city, on the count of three, deep breath, go ahead and exhale. We made it to Friday, baby. Oh, Weekend we is upon us, right? Woo! And the Colts, you got the Colts coming up on Sunday against the Rams. We'll get you caught up on that. Kevin Bowen going to join us on the show today. James Boyd. Bob Kravitz had an interesting article, not necessarily about this game, but about long-term, if you will, the future of the Rams. We'll get to that. Or, the excuse me, for the Colts, we'll get to that. Um... So a lot to talk about, including last night. Did you guys watch the game last night? I did. Eddie? I did indeed. Okay, question is this. That tell us more about the Lions or the Packers? Tell us a lot about Jordan Love. Like Eddie disagrees. I know Eddie does. That's because Eddie's a Jordan Love truther. But it, it told me a lot about Jordan Love. And I will say I've been against him. From the beginning, just because I, I I I need to see it on a consistent basis before I'm ready to say that the Packers have once again gotten lucky and found the next heir apparent to their quarterback room. And I get it, that's a high bar for a quarterback to have to live up to, but that's their franchise. Uh defensively, Detroit pretty much had their way with the Packers for most of that. So I don't know. He looked he looked every bit of the inexperienced quarterback that was supposedly soaking up knowledge for three years behind Aaron Rodgers. I thought it I thought Detroit looked really good. I did too. I, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but I thought especially offensively. You know, Jared Goff is an interesting guy to me. And this is applicable to Indianapolis to an extent. And I'll tell you why. Because here we have with the Colts the Anthony Richardson era, right? Yes. And in Indianapolis, we for the most part have only had so many quarterback eras. I mean, I guess you had the Jeff George era, but it never really got off the ground for a number of the reasons that we've talked about. Then you had the the Peyton Manning, obviously, and Andrew Luck eras, right? I thought personally, before even George, I thought Chris Chandler could have been an era, but it wasn't thought to be that when he came in. And there were other guys, Craig Erickson, Steve Walsh, that it was thought they were going to be the guy. But it, show, it goes to show how hard it is at the quarterback position, right? Then at times you get a franchise quarterback. You draft him number one overall. You get him, and he gets you right. He gets you basically to the, the up the mountain, and you get to the mountaintop, but you can't get out of the car and take pictures. And it's like, no, no, no. I want a guy that's going to give us pictures forever. So Jared Goff gets the Rams to a Super Bowl, and then in that Super Bowl just gets completely befuddled by defensive looks, as we talked about. And the Rams essentially say to themselves, we can do better. And they go and they make that trade for Matthew Stafford. And Goff goes, and I've always said for Jared Goff, like there are a few people that I would feel more sorry for in the history of football than Jared Goff. Here's a guy that that played at Cal, lives in Los Angeles, is the quarterback of the Rams, goes to the Super Bowl, and his reward for all of that is he gets to end up living in like Royal Oak driving every day across eight mile into Ford Field to go practice with like a four and 12 team that he inherited in Detroit. Ugh. Welcome to the NFL. That's on television. 
You're on national TV on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yep. Congratulations. You're a sacrificial up. lamb. You think right? they include that in the contract just for decorative purposes I mean, or no? It's for real, right? That's the other thing too, right? Like you but think about that. Like you're guaranteed to never even spend a holiday with your family, right? Yeah. So but Goff last night. It's like he's and I always thought he was a good player with the Rams, but my point being Sometimes just and he took them to the Super Bowl, so obviously you know they they he played well in L.A. But once it kind of hit its plateau, there there just wasn't anywhere else really for it. It just was a, a marriage that they decided that they had to move on from. And he goes to Detroit, and now same thing's going to happen. I don't know that I agree with that, Jimmy. He's uh, got my point being he's playing well because he has pieces and weapons around him. He is, but I view Jared Goff. In the same way that I viewed all players I really like, same way I viewed Alex Smith, same way I view Kirk Cousins. There, there is a ceiling for which they can take you. At some point, you realize that. And I get it. Like the Super Bowl, is that fair to say, oh, well, Jared Goff helped take them to the Super Bowl? And he did, but that was also a very, very talented Rams defense as well that helped them get there. And if we're being really revisionist history, a very controversial non-PI call that got the Rams to the Super Bowl in the first place. But that's not Jared but, Goff's fault. But my fault. point being... You take advantage of the situation that's but there. But my, my point being, Jared Goff goes to the Lions and he looked like a guy that was probably very easily could have been a cast-off former first-round pick that, that went and played in relative obscurity and just ended out his career as a serviceable player. Just quietly okay. in the wind. Sure. Correct. And instead, he has he has managed to he is now the quarterback of a team that is one of the more dynamic looking teams in the NFL. And part of that is because of Jared Goff, sure, but the better part of it is because they have guys like Aiden Hutchinson that are disruptive on defense. They have a defensive mentality that's just kind of nasty and gets after you they have running backs that can salt clock and chew up yards they have weapons offensively the point being that what you do to get aggressive around the quarterback goes a long way in defining who that quarterback is and sometimes it takes for players kind of a second chance to just kind of hit the reset and the team to be built around them for them to be able to be a, a the quarterback that was always originally envisioned for them and for Anthony Richardson you know the Colts are going to have about a two to three year window to be able to build all those things around them now it does look at this point ahead of schedule for this season that in fact the Colts have an aggressive defensive front four that can you know keep teams at bay and give take the pressure off of the offense of having to score on every possession. They can get after the quarterback. They can hang around in any game. Correct. And what they're going to have to build now, the, the problem for the Colts, or for let me rephrase that, the problem for Anthony Richardson at this point, when he has been on the field, which is, you know, obviously he has, what, sat more quarters than he's played, right? But when he has been on the field, while it is a wonderful thing for fans and for probably the Colts, it's not great for Anthony Richardson that the biggest offensive weapon on the field when he's been out there has been Anthony Richardson. And they're going to need other players, obviously, around him. And that's part of the process. But there is a window of time to get that done before then a guy or whatever else just needs a reset. I don't think that's going to be the case. But 
What we do know today, Jimmy, on a Friday, and good afternoon to you. Uh, my name is Jake Query. That was Jimmy Cook that you just heard from. Eddie Garrison is the CEO of Query and Company here. Jimmy is the company president, and we're going to be with you for the next couple of hours. One of the things we do know, Jimmy, is that one of the key pieces in terms of Anthony Richardson, who we do, I think, we'll see on Sunday, but one of the key guys that is going to be out there uh, typically to protect him, question mark now as to what happens on the right side of the line potentially well so this from kevin bowen as well as james boyd braid smith not practicing today but on top of that and this is another tweet from james boyd he's going to join us at the top of the two o'clock hour ryan kelly was not seen at practice and now just about two minutes ago ryan kelly walked out not practicing today and it reminds the listening audience that he missed last week, obviously, in the concussion protocol. So the fact that Ryan Kelly's not out there today, I'm not going to speculate and say it means that he failed to pass concussion protocol or that he took a step back, but not trending in an ideal fashion with that news. Quite truthfully, if you had to pick one of the two to be replaced in a game, would you pick Kelly or Smith? Smith. I'm with Eddie. I I think what they've gotten out of the center position, I think you have less drop-off going from Ryan Kelly to to Wesley French. I think that, and this again, is just my viewpoint on it, in part because Brandon Smith continues to be the one to frustrate me. And yes, I'm using a little bit of recency bias in this last week because there were a handful of penalties or a handful of miscues on his part a week ago. I think you can get by with Wesley French with Minshew. I want as many starting caliber, high-level veteran pieces as I can for Anthony Richardson, particularly under center, which is why I'd want Ryan Kelly out there first and foremost. Uh, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey have their podcast, New Heights or whatever it is. There was something that was on my feed. I don't know if it was Twitter or X or uh, TikTok, but they were talking about like the easiest position to replace on both sides of the football. Jason Kelsey said center. As a center, he said yeah. it's the easiest position to replace on the offense because you're in the most confined space. There's not a whole lot you have to do other than communicating with the offensive well, line. Well, that's the the big thing is that last part, though, yes. Eddie. I, here's the – from a schematic standpoint, he's probably right. From a schematic standpoint, because you have – you know, you've got big bodies on either side of you. And in today's NFL, like how many guys are really lining up like some big, huge, aggressive sure. nose tackle type thing. But – the, the 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 biggest challenge for the center standpoint is simply being an extra set especially with a young quarterback yeah is being that quarterback on the field that's able to to look over and say whoa 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 like and, and I'm going to I'm probably going to talk under the majority of our audience so I don't mean to diminish the fabulous intellect of our audience in the company but for those that are unfamiliar, when you hear the term Sam linebacker, Mike linebacker, I've never understood why they just don't say strong side, weak side, and middle linebacker. But the strong side linebacker would be, and I actually get confused by this, Jimmy, it, when the field is lined up, the strong side linebacker is the one that is lined up on the strong side of the field. So the the, the area of the field that has the, the biggest area of space. The weak side linebacker, the smaller area. I, I think that's right. I always get yeah. those two confused. The middle linebacker. Why they don't just say strong side, weak side, and middle linebacker like they did for 55 years? I don't know. Now it's Sam, Mike, and then... Will. Uh, is it Will linebacker? Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
I mean, you know, you save zero letters and zero syllables by doing it that way. But being able to look over the the defense, analyze and assess who's where and and what that means and what they may be lining up for is partially the job, primarily the job of the center at times to serve as that extra set of eyes. And then kind of, you know, how many times did you see, you know, we use Jeff Saturday as an example, but leaning over his shoulder and pointing out and, you know, some of that might've been faking, but it's, it's pretty important. Um, you know, for Braden Smith at the right tackle position, I, Blake Freeland's his backup. I, he's he's seen some rotation clearly, but it does feel like that side of the line. I, I just I think it's. I would rather have. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Smith has Smith has actually kind of struggled lately, but I think Kelly is a pretty important piece. But French has played well though, so. So in that regard, because you're coming off a game that they won where French was the center, at least you know you can win with French there. I, I would probably go if I had my choice with with going ahead and I, I feel more comfortable with French as a backup going in there than I do by Braden Smith being out. But it'll be interesting to see you know what happens over the course of the day. The Kelly situation is interesting because I, I think we thought – that he was trending towards being out there today yeah. and, and us being able to assuredly say he's going to be playing. But if he's not out there, you know, we'll talk to Kevin about that coming up in just a couple of minutes, what that means. But I mean, it, Kevin highlights this again in his reporting on Twitter and you follow him on Twitter at KBO and 1070, but full participant the last two days and then not out there today. So interested to see if Kevin has any insight on it in terms of, is it a definitive step back in the protocol? Is it something else? Is it precautionary? I mean, I guess there's always a chance, and this is me being glass half full, Jake, that maybe it's just a rest day. I mean, that would feel a little bit odd being the last day of the week, but maybe it's just for rest. I I don't know. I, I, I lean always towards the side of optimism, but I will admit it does not look great. Uh, I want to know what you got planned for the big weekend, Jimmy. I mean, whether are you gonna? You could do any number of things, right? You could be watching Indiana and Maryland, listening to Don Fisher on WIBC at three thirty tomorrow, right? You could do that. You could be listening to uh, the games that are going to be taking place on our airwaves: Texas A and M and Arkansas at eleven thirty, Iowa State, Oklahoma coming up at six thirty tomorrow. Doubleheader college football here on the fan. Your schedule includes what? Uh, so my schedule will include a lot of college football viewing, of course, but additionally, uh, one of Haley's friends is getting married this weekend. So we, oh, have, boy, the, you're, we you're, have the dreaded Saturday wedding. You're in that that era there, aren't you? Like every, I, like every... We, We're getting close to the finish line, but yes, I am in that era. Well, then here's the other thing. Uh, now, and, and brace yourself now, Jimmy Cook, because what you were getting ready, that, that means that you're now two years away from baby shower time. Indeed. And baby gifts. And that, that's, that's sprinkled in a little so bit already bought, okay, with that Okay, so group. I've thought about this. I've mentioned this before, and I know that it's not an original thought. I think there have even been TV shows based on this. But but I've thought about this, okay? I'm 51 years old. I, I've mentioned that a few times. Second half century. Second half century. That's correct. That means in my lifetime. Now, I will tell you, I have been in, I think I figured it up once. I think I've been in, stood in 11 weddings, okay? I've been best man- is it six i think four okay four times okay so i have tra- i've been in weddings in western kansas i've been in weddings in las vegas i've been in weddings in um los gatos california i've been in weddings in 
was it Dayton, Ohio? Any, any one of them? Any destination weddings? Los Gatos, kind of. Although I mean, my cousin lived there at the time, okay. but, the, but the family all went out sure. there. Uh, Las Vegas actually was because my buddy married a girl who's a native of Las Vegas, so right. it wasn't like a wedding. You know what I mean? It was any elope. It was correct. Up. Okay. Um, but so I so who knows how much I've spent on travel, wedding gift, tux rental, right? Yeah. Then we had the whole era of we just had a kid baby shower now baby shower usually more of the the wife's side so i was i was immune to a lot of that but um but child gift oh and guess what that kid eventually goes up graduates from high school here's the thing in the mail there's waves and layers to it yep so how much money all told would you guess that i've spent on all of that you said how many weddings 11 11. you were part of 11 I've stood in 11. I've rented a tux 11 times. I've Wait, you don't own tra- a tux? What's that? You don't own like, oh, I guess. Eddie, you excellent rent. question. Never mind. Here's the other thing. It's a great, fair question. There's no point in renting a tux, or, or excuse me, buying your own tux, because every wedding party, the tux is different. Fair. And, and I can tell you this. Of the 11 buddies of mine that have gotten married, not one of them had any say whatsoever in the style, color, or look of the tux. The the, the Literally the the bride and the mother of the bride like would have arguments over the color of the ink of the invitations for like hours jimmy are we saying for the weddings or including all told everything gifts okay wedding gifts we, we haven't thrown in wedding gifts oh, wedding gifts travel tux rental uh baby shower gifts baby gifts graduation gifts what all told what what do you think i'm at i'm saying i have no idea but but what, what's yeah, your guess i'm i'm saying Saying at least nine k. Uh, probably fair, right? I mean, you got to. I mean, figure, you figure but, like two hundred dollars maybe for a rental. Let's just say. Okay, so there's twenty two hundred bucks so right there out the right? gate. That's not even including we travel. Even, we haven't gifts. even figured out the cost of travel to Los Gatos, California, Las Vegas, sure. Nevada, Dayton. I drove right. Hotel rooms, right? Gifts, gifts alone, right? And then are you throwing in graduation gifts and all that good stuff too? No, we haven't even sector? we haven't even thrown in wedding gifts of weddings that I wasn't a part of. Right now, you want to know it's my own choice. I get it, it's my own choice. I'm not complaining about it, but I have thought about like, should Shannon and I do this? What would people do if Shannon and I were like, you know what? We've been dating and known each other now for 20 years, which we have, we're not at that point, but but when we get there, we, we've known each other for 20 years. We are throwing ourselves a 20-year anniversary party. Every one of you people that's going to be coming to this thing, we have bought you kids gifts. We bought you wedding gifts. We bought you travel. We did every, you know, whatever else. So I'd like a toaster. I, I've been I've been I've been with her for twenty years. I'd oh. like a toaster, and uh, she'd like a Keurig machine. I feel like there's a better way to frame it to get the result you want versus hey, give us some stuff. Well, that's what do you what happens when you get invited to a wedding, Jimmy? They say, hey, guess what? Please come to our wedding. Oh, and by the way, we're registered at Target. Give us some stuff. That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> What's the Target, difference? Also, Amazon Just and Crate and Barrel yeah. and like four other places. Just create your Amazon wish list. Send it out there. Yeah. Get whatever I, you want. Literally, New China. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, but here's the thing though. Then then we run into the other side of it, which a is new this. Watch? I'm a minimalist at this point. A watch, yes, thank you. Yes, I have I have two watches picked out that I'd like. So you guys can all chip in for my 20 year anniversary. Chip in, buy me a watch. 
the hell? Why not? I don't think it's unfair, right? No. It's not a Rolex, is it? What's that? One of them's not a Rolex, is it? One of them's a Cuero, Cuervo Sobrinos. One of them actually, and here's the thing, Eddie. Rolex is, to, to, to watch enthusiasts, Rolex is a fine watch, no question. But you're paying a lot for the fact that the name is Rolex. Yep. And their prices escalated and skyrocketed. Problem is, I had... When we were in Paris, there was a Rolex watch at the at the like duty free or whatever at the airport that was beautiful and it was a great price. Plus, you know, the, you have the exchange and everything else. It would have been a fabulous deal. And in ninety nine percent of all cases in life, at an impulse buy like that, you say, you know what, I'm going to walk away from this in an hour. I'll totally forget it and I will have saved the money. I have thought about that watch ever since. Mm. So it's the one impulse. I'm like. Uh, to the point where I'm like, I almost now I I don't necessarily have the expendable income to be able to do. I mean, I don't want people to misquote me here, but so it was probably smart that I did not do that purchase. But that watch has always been in my mind. Hmm. It's my white whale. Um, the Cuervo Sabrinos is the other one. But here's the thing: like, so what do you think? I mean, I've got a couple of years here. I think it's like three years before we would be able to do this. But would it be unprecedented? I think I'd be a hero to a lot of people. Like, hey, did you hear about Query? What he he's throwing a reception and a shower, and he registered for the fact of his twenty year anniversary of dating someone. Well, I mean, first off, some places common law you'd basically be a. But we don't live together though. You have to live oh, together okay. for common okay. law. Okay. Um, I mean, I would think anyway. Twenty years of togetherness—that's a party. You, I think you can get gifts and not feel totally nasty about it. I would agree with Jake here. I don't. I don't see a problem with this. I didn't disagree with it. I didn't say you did. I'm just saying. I agree <laughs> now, with Eddie, you. you're not married yet, right? Nope. Okay. So have you have you gone through the cycle yet of everybody asking you to buy them stuff and celebrate their wonderful life? No, not yet. Okay. Well, just wait. I've been to a, the, I've been to a couple weddings, but not many. In the world of Doctor Cook, I'm not a doctor, but here is the therapist and the invoices mm-hmm. that I'm still stacking up to charge you. Um, has there ever been a thought of tying the knot, or are we past that at this point of it being an unnecessary label and you don't need that? No, it's well, a very personal question, but we've asked Eddie that before, so I figured I'd throw it your way. Yes, on the spot, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, obviously, once you realize that you're probably not going to have children, that timeline gets moved a little bit, but I would say, yes, it's probably a fair statement at some point that that's going to happen. Well, yes. so then you get the gifts anyway. No, no, no. Uh, Jimmy. I get it. It's a larger message. Listen, it's for fighting for listen, the I, every man. I understand. I went to, I went to I a wedding in Pennsylvania. Not man, couple. I went to a wedding in Pennsylvania, took a wedding <laughs> gift, spent everything out there, and the wedding was annulled. Now, did I get my stuff back? He did not ask for a watch. I brought up a watch. So, I All think right. what, what you do is you, you do, so, yeah, if we if we do the, the anniversary shower reception and, and wish list, and then five <laughs> years later we get married, I, so what? Like, people can deal with it because I bought several a wedding gift where the wedding didn't last. But I didn't get my gift. That's back. more gifts for you, you know, and Shannon. It is. You're right. If you, do, if you double down you double on it, you double dip get, it, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, by um, the way, I know she didn't ask what I was doing this weekend. What are you doing this weekend, Eddie? You getting married? No. <laughs> That'll be something. I do have something I need your advice on, though. Proposing? Okay. So Proposal to, question? No, no. Okay. All right. Okay. Tomorrow, uh, Olivia and I are going up to Fort Wayne where she used to work for a birthday party, and the theme is 90s. Mm-hmm. What does one wear to, toward the theme of 90s? You got a flannel shirt? Probably. You got hiking yeah. boots? No. Okay, you go out and you get some hiking boots, you wear a flannel shirt, you wear a Nirvana t-shirt underneath it, and you wear fairly ratty jeans. Thank so you. So you're not- telling me to go out there and buy boots just for this one occasion? You know what you do? Are you aware of what women do for Halloween parties, Eddie? That's uh, Yeah, I get it. You're a little late in the process, but the major play, and I'm probably going to say this and ruin it for everybody, 
Um, what I'll do now every year, if I want to get like an expensive like costume, if I'm into that, I'll just buy it off Amazon, wear it for a day, take care of it, and then return it. Okay. It's the play. Okay. I'm renting a costume. Why are you going okay? They have a return policy for so a reason. You're the type of guy that would tell Haley to go out and buy a dress, don't take the tag off. No, 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 My wife, the, 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 the world is her oyster. That's ah, I'm talking about okay. for me specifically. Uh-huh. That's, uh-huh. She doesn't matter. If you are dressing as the 90s, you do one of two things. You either basically dress in grunge. I, I have always said any guy my age knows exactly what I'm talking about. When it comes to college, we kind of got the short end of the stick because it was the grunge era and every hot girl was walking around wearing jeans, hiking boots, and flannel shirts. And then as soon as we got out of school, it was the Girls Gone Wild Britney Spears era. And I'm like, the hell? where was that when I was in college? You think people on the West Coast were wearing hiking boots too? On the West Coast? Yes. Oh, come on, Are you Jimmy. kidding me? Like, I mean, like, like not all... Let me rephrase. Like L.A. Do you know? Yeah. All right. The, yes. enti- the grunge era started on the West Coast. The grunge the grunge started in Seattle, and then it was it was backed up by Stone Temple Pilots out of San Diego. So yeah, it was it was a mass. It was. I knew grunge originated in Seattle. I was ninety one to like ninety six. Literally every single outfit you look at it now, and you're like, why was everyone mining coal? <laughs> uh, Kevin Bowen's going to join us next, and mercifully, we're finally going to start talking a little Colts. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, was that the edited version there, Eddie? Yeah. I got nervous for a second there. Uh, how you doing on a Friday? Jake Query, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, Colts Rams coming up on Sunday. Joining us now on the hotline to talk about that and more. Of course, you can read all of his work in previewing the Colts game and keeping you up to date each and every day from the activity out at the complex at 1075thefan.com. And listen to him in the morning. The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Kevin Bowen joins us. Uh, Kevin, most important question right away. Let's get to this, and that is from a health and injury standpoint, who now is we are pretty confident we're going to see on Sunday and who all of a sudden might be a late addition into the name hopper of those that could be out on Sunday, if anyone. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite the uh, newsy Friday practice availability that we just got in from. Again, Shane Steichen will meet the media here in about 20 minutes. So certainly some clarity is needed. Uh, continued good news on Anthony Richardson's front. Um, he has practiced now all three days. I would expect him to be under center on Sunday, so obviously that's the most important thing. Um, no Ryan Kelly after he had practiced for two straight days. Now, he was out there observing, so, you know, is it concussion-related? Is it a different, you know, body part that he suffered an injury in yesterday's practice? He was, again, full yesterday, so I, I don't think that would be the case, but certainly something happened, whatever, overnight, or he woke up today and felt something and didn't give it a go. So, again, we'll ask um, – about that Braden Smith had a little wrap on his right wrist area um, he was not practicing and again he is a new name on the injury report and then DeForest Buckner missed his third straight day of practice with a groin injury so I mean anytime a guy misses three straight days that's not a good sign I would say Buckner is one of the handful of guys in the team that could probably miss a full week and still play I think back the past years where you know, this has happened, and maybe he's just used on third down or something like that. But, again, maybe he will be out. So, 
Um, I think that covers everybody. Quentin Nelson is back to practice. He's kind of been doing this thing every week now of missed the first two days, practice Friday, playing the game as he manages his toe injury. So, yeah, again, it's going to be, I would say, a little bit of a newsier injury report slash Shane Steichen press conference here in a, a few minutes. Kevin, in reality, going into this game, which team, the Los Angeles Rams or the Indianapolis Colts, which one do we know more about and who they are? Um, that's a good question. I probably the Rams, to be honest with you. I, I, I mean, like Matthew Stafford, we kind of know who he is at this point. Um, you know, I, I don't think like they're going to be, you know, one way or the other. I think kind of a one and two run throughout the year and a seven win football team at the end of the season is kind of who they're going to be. I guess maybe the Cooper Cup addition would change some things um but again i'm not holding my breath on them you know challenging for one of those wild card spots in the west or in in the nfc i mean when you look at the colts we've seen richardson for five quarters so that's kind of where my answer would be obviously he looked pretty good in those five quarters but you know when you look at the one full game he played it was kind of a tale of two halves he was really good in the first half he was efficient it was quick rhythm it was um certainly a completion percentage that we didn't really expect and then the second half you know, there's a bit of deer in headlights, and there was a stretch there, the one at one of eight, and he threw the you know kind of game ceiling interception. Obviously, he plays a quarter in in Houston. He was great, um, but you know, again, it was just a quarter. So I'd say that couple of the Taylor situation, um, and, and I would say the Colts have actually been fairly healthy for the most part through the first you know three or four weeks of the season compared to their, their opponents and compared to most teams. So when that inevitable kind of injury bug arises, I would say. The Colts, is prob- even though they've been better than the Rams, I would say they offer a little bit more of the unknown moving forward. Kevin Bowen is our guest. You hear him 7 to 10 a.m. here on The Fan, the wake-up call with KB and Andy. KB, let's under- let's operate underneath the assumption Anthony Richardson goes for this next question. Who complicates things more for him if they are absent? Ryan Kelly or Braden Smith? Did Justin Rose birdie the 18th? to have that match too i see i I saw tie on the screen yeah i only saw the words tie flash up so yes oh my god what a disaster of a finish um sorry jimmy i totally tuned you out on the question apologies (laughs) Uh, i've I've got issues when it when it when it comes to the Ryder cup hey that's all right no problem if anthony richardson plays let's operate underneath the assumption that he plays whose absence complicates things more for him ryan kelly or brayden smith Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say Kelly just because I think Donald, Aaron Donald would move a little bit more to the interior. But, boy, now that I think about it, I, I would be a rookie out at right tackle in Blake Freeland. You would think Donald might want to test him a time or two. Uh, but I just think, in general, it's the communication. It's the guy that, you know, you snap directly to. I would think Donald would want to live a little bit more in that Will Fries wesley French combination at center and right guard, um, but still, yeah, I mean, a, a rookie getting his first offensive snaps, um, you certainly don't don't rule that out. So, I mean, the Colts have had a really strong bill of health with their O-line. I mean, Kelly had missed one game. You know, the Rams, in all likelihood, they're going to start a backup offensive tackle. That'll be the fourth straight week. The Colts have faced one of those. So, again, the Colts have been in a better shape O-line-wise. But, yeah, I, I would say Kelly – over Smith. I mean, it would still be Wesley French's second, you know, career start. Um, but this week, you know, this late in the week, too, I think you wonder, like, how much could the Rams all of a sudden alter their game plan? I mean, certainly I would think you'd make some tweaks and some adjustments to it, given that, 
these would be some notable losses if indeed they don't give it a go. Uh, but still, at this point of the week, I guess the Rams were getting ready to have their final practice of the week. But obviously, a whole a big chunk of the game plan has already been installed and, and, and practiced. You know, the position for the Colts, to me, Kevin Bowen, that is, I, I think, still kind of the most fun to watch. But, but you watch it more nuanced than I, so I want your opinion on this. It, it seems like going into the season, we knew that they had probably uh, a spoil of riches at the tight end position. And yet it seems that it's still regard like you could pull any of those names out of a hat and and give a solid argument as to why they should be the one getting the most snaps. Which one, if any, to your thought, has separated in any way, shape, or form, or are we just going to kind of continue to see a rotation? Yeah, I would say none of them have separated themselves just yet, and I mean, maybe, is that because they're all playing well, or because they're all stuck in the same mediocrity? Uh, I'd probably say the latter. Uh, you know, Moelle Cox, I think, is an interesting name, Jake, to bring up because you know, right now, basically, how the Colts have operated at tight end this year is they've got four healthy guys: Moelle Cox, Kylan Granson, Drew Ogletree, and Will Mallory. One of those four have been a healthy and active through the first three and now, you know, four games. I expect one of them to be inactive on Sunday. Well, Jelani Woods is due to come back next week. And, you know, he's the guy that, you know, I think a lot of people would label as maybe the most intrigue or the most possibility at tight end. So assuming that he shows that or gets there, that's going to knock another tight end. If you just go off those numbers, you know, to that inactive list, potentially cut list. And, you know, I was looking up some numbers on Mo Ali Cox, from you know going back to last year, if you look at the last year of football for him, he's had ten catches in sixteen games. Um, you know he's playing thirty-ish snaps a game, and to have gone you know half those games without a catch and only have ten catches. I mean, I, I know he probably gives you something from a veteran standpoint and from a blocking standpoint, but still, Shane Steichen's got no ties to him, and I know Chris Bauer's a huge, huge fan. But I'm just curious how that one is going to play out. You know, when Jelani Woods gets back, so. Again, I don't think anyone has emerged. I, I don't want to act like I'm like totally down on the group because I do think Ogletree and Mallory have shown you some flashes. But you know, finding that consistent guy right now—I mean, if you're looking at it from a pass catching standpoint, it's Michael Pittman, it's Josh Downs, and then it's a massive drop off. Kevin, when I look at the injuries stacked along the offensive line, and particularly after the loss to Cincinnati for the Rams, if I'm a Colts interior defensive lineman I'm kind of licking my chops at the opportunity building off that impressive performance against the Ravens to kind of feast on Sunday it feels like the type of game where they need another statement though do you feel it the same way like I need them to be able to take advantage of the disadvantage on the other side to another dominant tune like they did against the Ravens do you feel that same way? And if they fail to do so, does it say more about the depth of the Rams' offensive line or would it say more about a missed opportunity for the Colts' defensive front? Yeah, I'd probably say missed opportunity. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a big thing to bring up, Jimmy, for Sunday because Matthew Stafford does get the ball out so quickly. And if you give Stafford time, I mean, he has put up a Hall of Fame caliber career. And to me, that's like the biggest key on Sunday. I, it, when you look at the Rams, there's a little bit of, Stafford, Donald, and the Misfits, really. And I know that's kind of underselling some of their other guys, but they've had so much turnover in the last two years. And and, and I look at Donald and Stafford so far this season, and I don't think they've played at, like, the Hall of Fame level that they have had stretches. Obviously, Donald more than Stafford. 
throughout their careers. I think as long as they don't play like they're in Canton on Sunday, then I think you should win that game. But, you know, for the D-line, I think there will be bigger and harder tests like later in the season. Again, they've played a whole lot of backups. I think if you include Sunday, I think it'll be seven or eight backup offensive linemen they've seen this season. I'm sure there'll be weeks where the opposing offensive line has all five healthy starters or maybe four of the five and the one missing is like a right guard and not a left tackle. So um, to me, I, I look at it as bigger challenges await, but as far as Sunday's concerned, given the quarterback that you're playing and the success that he can have, I would say that it's you know just important for your D-line to continue to do what they've done. And if they don't, I think that's how the Rams make this pretty interesting. You know, Kevin – I mentioned this yesterday. When you're around it, like just in terms of media availability and practice, you know, you and I talked about the fact that when we had Shane Steichen on, I think it was when we were at the Combine, we had him on the morning show when I was doing the mornings with you. And, you know, he is all football, right? I mean, that was the narrative. It was like, man, this guy is just locked in. But, and that was maybe a challenge for us in terms of doing like an interview with him and drawing personality out of him. But... When it comes to the coaching, you know, what his job is, it seems like an asset because it does seem like he is pretty locked in and kind of unflappable, and it's easy to forget that this is a guy that's in his rookie year as a head coach because he seems to be very in control of the moment. Does that perception carry over to away from the things that we see in terms of the television coverage at a game? Yeah, I, I think he's a pretty cocky individual, but doesn't do it like in a very arrogant way. I, I think he's got a like me strong amount of <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think the Shane Sykin Jake Query comps there. Um, I, I just don't know if I've, I, I've I've gone down that path just yet there, but um, in a smooth transition to what I was going to say, I I feel like with Shane there is a a confidence and almost an aura about him that guys just really, really appreciate. Um, and and those would be his players, obviously. And I remember when the hire was made, you know, the question was like, wait, is he going to be more Frank Reich? Is he going to be more Nick Sirianni? And I think outward emotion-wise, it's more Nick Sirianni. But I also think watching Sirianni go through what he went through and being such a big part of that, and by that I mean Sirianni – taking over as head coach, becoming a play caller in Philly, deciding that he can't handle all of that on his plate halfway through his first season, giving up those play calling duties to Sykin. That was a great learning experience for Sykin to sit there and say, man, when I become a head coach, how am I going to combat that? And while I think he's got some fire, I don't think it's like crazy. Like, I don't think we're going to see Shane Sykin yelling at opposing fans after a game like Nick Sirianni did you know, here in, in Indianapolis. And, and I bring that up to say, I think Shane is in pretty full control about knowing and confident in all the things that are on his plate, which are a lot on a game day. And I think we've already seen that this year, obviously the play calling stuff, but I mean, even just a little timeout game that he's played and the in-game management stuff that he's played, like, again, those are little items that, um, I don't think every coach would maybe feel totally confident in and maybe two to three games into their NFL career wouldn't feel confident in, but Shane just strikes me as a dude that is confident, thinks he can handle it, and has got everybody on the same page. And who knows? Maybe there'll be times where it is a little bit too much, but for the most part, um, I would say that you know he feels pretty good about where things are at. 
The fan zone, Kevin Bowen is our guest. KB, if you were to give a piece of advice to Anthony Richardson, or if you were to ask Shane Steichen what the piece of advice would be for him in terms of his play style or in terms of anything to try to like he mentioned that he needed to stay more locked in on his touchdown run where he got the concussion like he let up a little bit you also don't want to over give advice because you want him to still be him you can't fully prevent concussions but if there's any piece of advice you're giving to him to try to (laughs) get healthier on the fly or prevent injuries on the fly is there anything you can do yeah i mean it's a great question i think there's such a hard answer to find with it i mean you know, do you try and say to him, hey, man, let's be a little bit more cognizant of, like, time and score and, you know, second and seven of a scoreless game on the opening drive if you're scrambling. You know, maybe it's not something where all of a sudden you just, boom, you know, scramble for, you know, 13 yards and take a safety head on. Like, like maybe there's not something that you do. And, and I, you know, to be fair, I don't really think he's done a lot of that, you know, even on the touchdown run. Um, you know, to me, it's scoring a touchdown. It's a little bit different than a scramble, like in the middle of the field, early in a game. So maybe some of that of like it's okay to go out of bounds, it's okay to slide in the middle of the field. That would probably be where I would stop with that because obviously his game, his run element is such a great asset, something you want to have, and it's why part of the reason why you drafted him for overall and and all of that. So. Yeah, again, Jimmy, it's a great question. I, I just don't know if I have like a great, great answer for that. Some tweaks, sure, but you know, overcoaching that, I think that now all of a sudden it becomes quite the mental challenge for him. Kevin, in conclusion, because I know you got uh, work to do here in terms of Shane Steichen's availability, but real quick, uh, for those that are unfamiliar, on the morning show when I was on with you and Mark Dykton, we at the beginning of the baseball season made a three-person wager. We each got to pick a team that was projected – to go under 500 and whichever one won the most games got a six pack of PBR chipped in by the other two uh, I took cute fellow the Baltimore Orioles they won their 100th game last night they are the division champions you took the Oakland Athletics that I think are like 42 and 118 or something like that uh, Mark took the Arizona Diamondbacks which hung around for a little bit and then hit the wall in turn two uh, when when do I get my PBR Wait, I thought we were supposed to pick the team that was going to be closest to their win-loss over-under. That, that, that's <laughs> no, no, sir. No, that's – yeah, that, good try. Okay. Do we have a clipped-out audio of that? Um, yeah, I know. It did kind of hit me on Wednesday or Thursday whenever the Orioles clinched of like, oh, my God, I do owe Jake some beer there. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to wait till the season is officially complete before, but – yeah, now that I think about it, uh, the liquor store on the way home could be a stop for well, more than one reason. And unfortunately, Kevin, for the cute fellow Baltimore Orioles, they might be sitting with the Oakland Athletics watching the divisional round of the playoffs or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, although I guess maybe they're in the divisional round, but the ALCS, I mean, we'll see if they actually advance through. But uh, fun year Congrats. for the cute fella. Well, thank you. Congrats. Yeah, I think I only I think you only clipped me by about sixty games. So congrats, <laughs> congrats to your Orioles on that. Yes, it will be uh, it will be waiting for you probably on Monday. All right, appreciate it. Have a good weekend, Kevin. All right, thanks, guys. All right, Kevin Boone joining us. Uh, we'll get you caught up. By the way, buddy of mine just sent me a text that said this is yet another example of a major sports letdown, and I'll let you know what we're talking about because we'll get you caught up on something that's taking place as we speak next. So I know people that woke up at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Matter of fact, buddy of mine sent a text that said, 
who else is setting their alarm for 1 a.m. to watch the Ryder Cup? And I'm like, who needs to set their alarm? Kevin Bowen. I'm, but I'm just awake. <laughs> right? I, I was still awake, but I had a decision at about 1.20 yesterday morning. This morning, I guess, rather. Do I stay up 10 minutes and turn on the Ryder Cup, or do I do myself a favor and go to sleep? I went to bed. I watched an old Johnny Carson. <laughs> so you also didn't, didn't dive into the Ryder <laughs> but, Cup. Um, the Ryder Cup now, basically, things not going well for the United States, right? No. They got hammered in the morning, lost all four of the foursome pairings that they had, and then while they had an opportunity, it looked like to gain some ground in the afternoon session, tied in three of the foursomes, then lost another one. Yeah, so it's essentially, and for something that I think that the disappointment for people is that you you get super excited about something to give you, like, a, you know, viewing for the weekend, and then all of a sudden, you know, out of the out of the box, you can tell that this probably the 30-year drought of winning the Ryder Cup off of American soil looks like it continues in terms of them not getting the win. But uh, still golf to be played, but things right now in the Ryder Cup not going well let's put it that way but it is fun to watch I mean the the the, the kind of all-star like team aspect of it is pretty fun to watch but it's been a rough year for golf with live and and everything else that that's taken place um the United States trying to end the Ryder Cup drought off of soil looks like uh they're struggling in that regard the the game on Sunday between the Colts and the Rams, I, I thought Kevin mentioned something there, Jimmy, that's pretty critical to talk about, and that is um, perhaps the most important player that they are going to see in terms of the, the lineup for the Rams. We will talk about that coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, we have tickets to give away. Is that correct, Eddie? Yes, sir. Okay, this is for the Meekum Auction, which is very cool. It takes place at the fairgrounds. This is October 5th through the 7th. Your chance to go out and watch. I mean, sometimes you get cars that go for like $700,000. Sports cars, vintage cars, uh, you know, fancy, schmancy Rolls Royces. You name it, Meekum Auction. We have the tickets to give away. Uh, we're going to give away a pair right now, as a matter of fact, at 239-1070. Eddie, what's your favorite number one through five? We'll go with three today. Okay, so number three if you are the third caller at 239-1070, you are on your way October 5th, 6th, and 7th in the Mecham Auctions at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. We come back a little deeper dive into the Rams, what the Colts need to look out for, and then James Boyd in an hour. It's Quarry and Company here, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Look at Eddie firing up the clash here. Now, this is 80s, not 90s for your 90s theme party, by the way. Don't go dressed Correct. as the clash. I will not. Although the the... To be honest with you, like the punk look and the grunge look are not totally foreign to one another. Eddie, going to a 90s theme party, that's tonight, you said? Tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow afternoon. The other thing you could do is just wear like a starter jacket. There you go. I'm a, I'm a kid in the 90s. Uh, the Colts and Rams coming up Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Kevin Bowen touched on this, and Jimmy... It's really interesting to me. I don't know at what point we pivot the narrative, but I am still going to stick with the narrative for the Colts this year is about the development of Anthony Richardson. 
And I think sometimes you have to be cautious about accelerating the narrative. They did it, I thought, with Andrew Luck. When they saw with Andrew Luck, the acclimation period was shorter than anybody anticipated, so they pushed all in. And they went out and they got Andre Johnson, and they remember the Griggs is backing up the Brinks truck, and they signed Ricky Jean Francois and Gosder Sherilis and all these players to push all in, and they didn't let it organically grow. So when those pieces didn't pan out, then you didn't necessarily have young, rooted seeds that were growing around him. And it was like, wait a minute, what just happened here? All of a sudden, he's running through the forest just, you know, aimlessly. And I think that there is a risk a little bit in that. I understand the enthusiasm and the excitement about the fact that not only from a scheduling standpoint, but from a competence standpoint, it looks like, you know, they're pretty competitive. But you still need to make sure that your number one priority on the year is the health and the progression and the growth, the rooting, for that matter, of Anthony Richardson. And a big part of that is to make sure that he is not not only physically battered around, but also that he has time to develop in the pocket and know when to run, etc. Point being, a guy like an Aaron Donald, who's been around a while, probably is in the latter part of his career, but is still... I don't know that he's the one-man wrecking ball that he was at one time, but he can wreak you some havoc. And to Kevin Bowen's point, they might move him around a little bit because he has that kind of flexibility to be able to take advantage of areas from the offensive line that show some vulnerability for Indianapolis. But Aaron Donald is, to me, probably the critical the, the critical key point for the Colts on Sunday of the one guy that they want to neutralize more than anybody else. Particularly with the question marks that are around the Colts offensive line, at least as things stand. Now we'll get some clarity from Shane Steichen here in a little bit when he speaks to the media and further clarity, of course, when we talk with James Boyd at the top of the two o'clock hour. But Aaron Donald, as you mentioned, Jake, he's a game wrecker. He still is. He's one of the most feared defensive tackles, maybe the most feared defensive player in the game today because of his ability to be so versatile, to find your weak point of your offensive line. And just because it's not maybe in the middle of the line, Maybe he has to go towards the edge or, as Kevin mentioned, line up towards a right tackle assignment. He's not afraid of that. He can attack you from multiple levels and can get after quarterbacks to a point that they start second-guessing themselves or relying fully on instincts. And that's where it comes into play of the off-script plays potentially that Anthony Richardson or great quarterbacks before him have had to incorporate and being able to work on the fly and read things quicker and process faster. This is a great measuring test for Anthony Richardson, assuming he goes in the same way that I was bummed out that he did not play a week ago against a stout Ravens defense because it would have been another opportunity for him to learn and grow. And to your larger point, we can talk about this as the season goes on. It's not really about Rams Colts this week, but to the larger point of not losing the mission for this year. You and I are both in agreement. Eddie is as well. It's about Anthony Richardson's development. If winning happens to happen along the way, you celebrate it, you embrace it, and you're not pumping the brakes like, whoa, whoa, we're 4-1 we're and one all of a sudden going into this Jacksonville game. We might need to start losing some game. Nobody's operating like that. Nobody thinks that way. But a marker for me on the season that would be an abandonment of letting things grow organically. And I saw this out there on Twitter Earlier in the week, if the Colts were buyers at the trade deadline, then I would maybe have some yeah, that's worries really of, okay, maybe we're jumping a little bit too ahead of where 
this progression is. It would vary, of course, on the move. And we know the NFL trade deadline is traditionally a quiet one. But if they suddenly were buyers trying to get veteran pieces at a cost that might hurt the long-term development of the franchise, then I would have problems. What are the two... Let me ask you this. When it comes to sports, and it comes to sports fandom, and it comes to things that captivate the, you know, people's, like, that people look forward to every year, what two things happen in the first quarter of every year on the calendar? There are two things that happen that totally rejuvenate and, and awaken up sp- a, a sports fandom off of the doldrums of winter. There are two things that happen every year, and even the non-sports fans get super stoked and super excited about it and have their tradition, and they are convinced that, like, this is the year. What are, what are those two things that jump out at you? In the professional ranks? In sports in general. What are the two things? I would have said the beginning of March Madness and then the countdown from spring training to opening day. Correct. Bingo. Ten days till pitchers and catchers report, right? Yes. Hope springs eternal. Correct. And the reason that those things are so intoxicating to sports fans is because all of a sudden, when you look at that, I remember vividly. 1988, my freshman year of high school, Miss Smith, now Miss McQuiston, was my English teacher and let us all fill out a bracket. And I looked at the bracket and Indiana was playing, they opened up against Richmond and and, and I, and they had just beaten uh, Iowa, I believe 116 to 89 in the Big Ten finale that year. By the way, as a child... If you're a sports fan and you're always hearing like opinions from your dad or from, you know, just older family members in your life, when you get that first bracket, there is a sense of like, I I know what I'm doing. I get to control the destiny of what happens in this tournament. But you get intoxicated by possibilities and you start convincing yourself, as I did in that 1988 bracket, I convinced myself, Indiana's going to the Final Four. They're going to beat Richmond, and then when they beat Richmond, there's going to be an upset seat. And I know that Syracuse is the one seat in that region, but they're going to get beat, and the road is going to completely open up. And then, well, yeah, they could definitely beat Navy. And then, look at this right here. I mean, who in the world? UTEP? Yeah, okay. Elite eight. Boom. Here we go. Final four, baby. And you can, and that's why people get so excited by the tournament, right? And and spring training. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Everybody, they're not gonna do anything. Everybody knows it, right? The 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 for that matter, I mean, for most part, as a as a Reds fan, the Reds. You know, spring training though. Hope springs eternal, right? I'm telling you. And people get intoxicated by the possibilities. And all of a sudden, like things just start dancing in their head, right? This is the year. I'm telling you, if if, if this guy, if this pitcher can can develop a curve, I mean, I'm telling you. Look at our bullpen. I mean, look at all the arms that we have now. We can shut down anybody. We haven't been eliminated yet. Correct, right? So the same thing happens now in the NFL season. This is the spring training of the Colts. This is the NCAA tournament because you look at it and you're like, yeah, we were a 16 seed going in, but guess what? Maryland, Baltimore County, Fairly Dickinson, like it's been done now. The blueprints there. Colts fans are looking at it like we're two and one, and then look at the schedule. Look at the next five. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna name the game. You guys tell me. Off the, just gut reaction now from what we've seen through three games: win or loss. Rams at home. Loss. Okay. 
I say W. W. Okay. Sorry. Titans win. at home. Win. Home. Automatic, win. right? That's a home win. At Jacksonville. Loss. I think they can win it, but I'm going to go loss because that's the first game Jacksonville has after being across the pond for two weeks. Okay, Browns at home. Win. Loss. Ooh, Eddie. Saints at home. Win. Win. At Carolina. Win. Frank Reich revenge game, but the Colts pull it out. Win. Patriots at home. Ooh. Win. Although rookie quarterbacks don't fare well against Bill. The point of the exercise, though, is Bucks at home. Win. There are W's there to be had. At Titans. Win. The, o- the only game. Okay, we'll just I'm just gonna flush it out here. You ready? We'll do it quicker. At Bengals. What, loss. loss. Sorry. Steelers at home. Win. Loss. Falcon at Falcons. Loss. Win. Raiders at home. Loss. Texans at home. Win. Win win. My point being the only two games on there where you were like an immediate loss is A at Cincinnati. And then B, for whatever reason, Eddie says at Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know. Did, are you just a fan of the varsity? What's going on there? No, I just I think the way that Atlanta plays, it's very similar to Tennessee. and Tennessee, Tennessee sucks. I understand, but they've got some better players in Atlanta that I think they can. You know, the way they play control, is very similar to the athletics. I mean, Control, you know. time of possession, run the ball, two good backs. Plus He's not a, wrong about good two road. good back parts. He's not wrong with that. Okay, yeah. fair. I mean, they've... But my point Nothing being, about them scares me other than B. John Robinson, though, if I'm being honest. Being, the point being, the NFL is set up. Man, who's throwing to him? The NFL is the 800-pound gorilla for a reason. Yes. And that reason is because in the NCAA tournament, the brackets are set up where you have to convince yourself that your team has a shot regardless of their seed or whatever else. But in reality, chalk usually wins out. And you have to escape yourself a little bit into Alice in Wonderland to see how your team is going to win it unless they're a top three or four seed. In Major League Baseball, hope springs eternal. This is the year. But unless you are one of the typically six or eight most well-funded teams with the best pitching staffs. Typically keyword there. You know that you probably don't have a chance. Yeah. And in the NFL, it is set up based on if you have a record of futility, everything is designed for you to have an immediate turnaround. The schedule is designed where you are playing nothing but patsies outside of your division, and you are going to be competitive the next year in every game that you step on the field, also because you drafted high and you have done so in years that you've had futility. And unless you are historically – the Detroit Lions who take a wide receiver with the first round pick like four straight years and every one of them busts out. Unless you are totally incompetent, the NFL is designed where no franchise stays in the doldrums for more than like a year or two. Now, you might get stuck in that that vat of mediocrity, as I always call it, that vat of suck, where you're like, yeah, we're 7-10 and 10 every year and we can't get out of it because we're drafting 18th in every round. But... It is by design that the NFL keeps every fan base interested. It it literally, every single time that you feel like you've had too much of the cookie, they come up with another ingredient and they're like, here, you want another bite? And people are like, yeah, sure, I will. 
And that's exactly what the Colts have the potential to benefit from this year is that their schedule and the things are designed for them to be competitive. Now, that's not taken away from their from the way that they're playing because they have players that are developing. And you play the teams on the schedule, right? You can't Correct. control that. Correct. But but my, but the schedule is favorable for yes. them. Always and, to bad teams. And, and yes. to the Colts' credit, I'm not taking away from what the Colts have done. What I'm saying is they're off to a 2 and one start, but, but they have the chance now to maintain a, a credibility and, and a competitive nature just based on the schedule itself because you looked at it and you're like, well, wait a minute, where are the losses going to come now? It used to be you'd look at it and you're like, where are the wins coming from? But that was also oftentimes in years where an injury took place and their, their schedule was designed to be competitive because they were coming off a really good year. Eddie, can I get and that's what happened center? with Andrew Luck when they accelerated the Andrew Luck um, acclimation period. They put themselves in position where the schedule also was not in their favor. Andrew Siliano is the first one I saw on it. Could have been somebody else. But Shane Steichen says Anthony Richardson will start week four versus the Rams. No big surprise there. Right? Uh, the illusion of parity is always there, which is the biggest pitfall that you can fall into. The NFL, yes, by design, is a parity-driven league because the teams, as you mentioned, Jake, that have the worst season the year before are rewarded with a softer schedule. But you can't fall into the pitfalls of, okay, this is easy now. All we need to do is get one piece here, one piece there, and now we're a contender because we took out a sub-500 schedule throughout the course of the year. You and I, as Eddie knows as well, it's much deeper than that in terms of team development. The problem that you eventually fall into, much like all the other sports, with the illusion of there's this hope and maybe this is a surprise year for us, is that the NFL has the Evan Given Sunday mantra, which is true. Look last week at the Cardinals and the Cowboys, and yes, you'll have teams that were bad a year before make it to the playoffs, but by and large... There are three or four pillars to every three to five year window that are always going to be right at the top, that are always pushing those parity teams down, which is why it's so important and why it's so hard in the league to be a championship caliber team versus being a pretender is to not speed up your process further than it should be sped along. If that makes sense, which is what we're saying about Anthony Richardson. If his development is still there this year, great, but the decisions that the Colts should make and the one they're making this week in giving Anthony Richardson the nod and not playing around whatsoever with the idea of Gardner Minshew is the long-term health of the franchise is Anthony Richardson getting these reps because that's what he needs. Yeah, I, I would. And now you have to hope that Richardson, that you are able to keep him clean. It does. It's really hard, Jimmy. It, there is a danger in in any way, shape, or form, there is a danger in allowing a small sample size to become representative of what you anticipate is going to be taking place in the totality of a season. But there can be warning signs that pop up. And is it possible that Anthony Richardson and his style of play lends itself towards the fact that he is going to have games that he misses or times that he's out because he's dinged up? You know, when... And again, I go by precedent. I don't constantly talk about, and I, I, I do constantly talk about rosters of, of NFL past for the Colts, but I do it because it's the precedent by which we as a fan base or a market or a media base can relate. Peyton Manning, Jim Sorge had the greatest job in the 
history of sports. He's Peyton Manning's backup. That means that he holds a clipboard, he calls in some plays, and then when he goes in there, there's no pressure on him at all because everybody's like, he can't do what Peyton Manning did. And I love Jim Sorgi. But that's the reality, right? There wasn't any expectation or pressure on him, on, on himself, sure. But come on. And Peyton Manning, Colts are up like 42-3 to in games, and it's like, here comes Manning. That dude ain't coming out. Everybody knew he's not coming out. Tom Moore said it best. <laughs> why doesn't why doesn't Jim Sorgi practice and play more? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if 18 goes down, we're blanked, and we don't practice blanked. Okay. Andrew Luck, on the other hand. Ryan Grigson, give him credit. One of the smartest things he did. I'm going to sign Matt Hasselbeck. Why? Because I got a quarterback that I don't know if he's going to be able to play 16 games. Lacerated kidneys, separated shoulder, subluxation, cracked ribs. I learned more about the human body from watching one season of Andrew Luck than I did taking a biology class in college because there was always something different. No fault of his. And Richardson's style of play is more Andrew Luck than it is Peyton Manning, meaning one would assume that Anthony Richardson is probably going to lend himself towards putting himself in position where he is, those things are going to happen. But they have to try to avoid that. And as I talked about, maybe that necessitates having a solid backup like Gardner Minshew. But I still think if Richardson is your guy and that's the guy that you're going to have taking snaps, and if he's not taking snaps, you ain't trying to win that game anyway, a la Peyton Manning, we don't practice practice blanked, then maybe it is time to see if or, or listen to the phone calls about Gardner Minshew and see if you can flip him into pieces that continue to help Anthony Richardson. But I'm just – my one thing that I would give pause about, I want to see the Colts play well and win. Don't get me wrong. I know how excited people get about it. And I think it's tremendous if they do it. And the schedule looks like they can they can probably fare pretty well here. But is it a danger in long term development and i know that sounds crazy it could be short term eddie give it to us could be short term worry as well yes so the offensive line not looking good for sunday's game bernard ryman and ryan kelly both have been ruled out because of concussions bernard ryman entered the concussion protocol Braden smith iffy for sunday deforest buckner listed with a back and a groin injury did not practice all week kevin bowen says not a guarantee he plays so no left tackle potentially no. kevin bowen's tweet is assuming yeah. both are out but yeah. he's right if he's in They're, concussion protocol today they have already been not gonna, they have yeah. officially been ruled out okay so no left tackle in ryman no center in kelly and potentially no right tackle in brain smith so here's Yikes. a better question when did bernard ryman go into the concussion protocol it's the Colts on their well, website he, say this week. I would assume yesterday or one of the last time they practiced was, unless it was today. In which case, there hasn't been official clarity on that. They just labeled it this week. Uh, and further reporting on this, Mike Chapel says Bernard Ryman develops symptoms in practice, so he's in concussion protocol. Correct. So uh, Ryman did practice yesterday. He wasn't listed on the injury report, so. I guess today or that showed symptoms today Mm -hmm. this from jeremy i know you're not a fan of facts and just talk but nfl schedule is set up so the colts only play three third place teams out of 17 games because of the prior season indy has knowledge patsies for radio media again 
Yes, that's they correct. They were given that because of how bad they were correct. a year ago. Yeah, so three third, but three third place teams outside their own division, and their division is mediocre. It's a gauntlet. I apologize. You know what? What was his name? Jeremy. Jeremy. I apologize. That that that's on me. That's a that's a gauntlet of a schedule that the Colts have to play this. It, that's it's on us. We'll wear that one. I mean. <laughs> It is by design. Yes. Like, don't 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 shoot the messenger here. We're not, we're not making that you. up. It's right. not something that Jake and I just created in the lab earlier. I mean, today. what he is saying is it's a difference amongst three games. Correct. But you're not playing three. You're not playing gauntlet teams. Correct. I, reality. I apologize that that Jeremy thinks I don't care about facts. I just actually spit out like a hundred of them in about five minutes. If you would cool. like to plot schedules with the Eagles or with the Chiefs or with the Bengals, by all means, go ahead. But that's not what the league wants. The league wants it set up so there's a better chance for teams that are at the bottom of the totem pole to turn it around and get back to the playoffs. There's no opinion based on that. It's how the schedule works. I mean, and the NFL is brilliant in the way that they do it, right? Yes. I mean, how often there is no league. I will. I am sure of this. There is no league that has a higher percentage of teams that go from the bottom of their division to winning their division within a season or two than the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the NFC South at one point had, what, like four straight years with a division with a different team from the division that went to a Super Bowl from their division? Yeah. And all four of them had finished like in the last place within two. I mean, it's it's set up that way by design. Everything about it is set up that way by design. And there's a reason you can look around the league. And yes, for some reason, there's competitive bad and there's competitive good. By that, I mean like the AFC South the last couple of years, a bad competitive division. There's also competitive good in some angles as well. Look at the AFC East this year. I mean, prior to the Jets going down, but you got a battle between Miami and Buffalo. You look at the AFC North, no further than that. Who's going to win that division? And by the way, I hate to tell this to Jeremy, but since he likes facts so much, the facts are that they also get two third-place NFC teams. So it's five third-place teams, not three. So if you're interested in facts, then Jeremy should probably get them straight himself, right? Agreed. That's all I'm saying. Um, Educate and entertain, Jake. That's right. Bernard Ryman's interesting, though, because and he's played well. Um, very, he's very disappointing that, it, that he's hurt because of how well he's played. We've given him praise earlier in the week. We talked to Matt Taylor about it yesterday. And I know, like, I know Matt works for the team, but with all of the criticisms that were thrown Ryman's way a year ago and the amount of time he's put in the offseason, you look at a lot of metrics that measure left tackles and not just left tackles, but offensive linemen in general, and he's been near the top of the league. Like, he's a valuable piece to this offensive line. So to lose him, accompanied with the idea of no Ryan Kelly and then potentially no Braden Smith, it's a, it's a very, very tall order in terms of adversity that's going to be on the plate for Anthony Richardson. So here's here's the question that I have. So many Aaron Donald mismatch off the top. The question that I have, if you look at the injury report, okay? This is the injury report from yesterday. And it does not list Bernard Ryman. Correct. So if Bernard Ryman is now in, and Eddie, you said that he is listed in concussion protocol. Correct. That was from Shane Steichen as well, as well as listed, yes. Does that mean... And I don't know that we will know this answer, but does that mean that he suffered a concussion in practice? Or does it mean that he had concussion-like symptoms that he played through for four days and then either he or someone else noticed something that put him in concussion protocol? So I shook my head at first because I felt like the answer was no, but 
I suppose it could have been minor symptoms, but it got to a point where symptoms were noticed Correct. and he was pulled. I, I mean, we'll never probably know that, right? Right. But we learned when we had on Dr. It was Sills, right? Dr. Alan Sills, yes. From the National Football League and the concussion protocol was that a player can voluntarily put themselves in the protocol or an observer can say something seems off, at which point the player is then examined and sent in the protocol. So uh, is it possible then that Ryman had some sort of a lingering effect and it took four days? This is going to sound like I'm questioning their medical staff. I'm not. I think what I'm saying is I think it shows the the unpredictability and it oftentimes the the challenge in recognizing a neurological injury. I I mean, but at some point he had to have something had to have happened that put him into the protocol. But what I would like to think happened is either something today or something at the end yesterday that didn't immediately put symptoms forward was then noticed today. I would hope it's not something that, and that that is a very a layman's answer to that because I'm not out there. I don't know how you fully identify or what the NFL does to to test with independent observers on the fly. But my thought would be that it happened at the end of practice yesterday or maybe during practice today, and then symptoms were noticed versus the idea of him playing a full week's worth of practice with minor symptoms that kind of went by the wayside because it wasn't obvious, only to get worse as the week went on. Yeah, that's a big one, though, because not only is Ryman a guy that has played really well at a very important position for them, but also a guy that, because of, to his credit, how well he played in particular, the progression he showed late in his rookie year, there really isn't a natural slide-over guy to fill in for him, right? Right. And And you already have, this is an area, again, last week, coming off the Baltimore game, I had said, Kudos to Chris Ballard. It was a Chris Ballard victory game because the guys that made critical plays for them are guys that Chris Ballard had either begged the patients for or taken heat for acquiring in the first place. And those guys made plays that won the game for them. And I kudos to Chris Ballard. Now, this could be, probably won't, but right now the challenges for the Colts going into the game as they are starting to manifest on a Friday are the areas where Chris Ballard, the other area where he's taking the most heat, and that is building depth on the offensive line. There are a lot of people that that questioned the skill set or the depth or just the numbers in general on the offensive line, and not unlike the receiver position, it was, well, you know, it'll, it'll work itself out, and now here we are. If you've got two or three guys that are questionable, not good because you don't have a lot of depth underneath them and you don't have a lot of experience. And I have always said, give me, in the offensive line standpoint, I would rather have five guys that all are score a 6 out of 10 but have played together week in and week out for a, you know for a minimum of a month to have that solidarity and just have the, the the cohesion, I'd rather have that than a line that has like two tens on it, but like everybody else is rotating in and out. It's just that's just the way it is. I mean that that I, I think at offensive line I mean, it's a finely it's a finely critical. tuned machine. You need to have all the pieces working in one motion within each other as a collective goal, right? You don't want to have parts are just thrown in there last minute in the hope they're able to work together. You're exactly right, Jake. If you're not able to have that type of cohesion together 
it can become very detrimental, not just to the quarterback, but to the flow of the offense as a whole. And look, this is going to be a adversity strikes. No one stays healthy all the time in the NFL. Of course. We know this, right? Like no one, no one stays perfect, but it becomes all the more fascinating on my end of this newfound test for Anthony Richardson. Well, just when you get the guy that you want to keep clean back, the guys that are actually designed to keep him clean or dirty. <laughs> are gone, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the challenge. Okay, so. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, in the last... 15 minutes or so, some new information regarding the Colts and player availability. And so, in between debating with Jeremy on Twitter, I've been able to decipher all this stuff. Uh, Okay, at the quarterback position, Anthony Richardson, Eddie Garrison, as the CEO of the company, you are able to tell us definitively that Anthony Richardson's status is going to be what? Cleared, protocol, and in line to start on Sunday. Okay. Ryan Kelly, the center. As of right now, the status for Ryan Kelly is what? Leaning towards out Sunday as he's still recovering from a concussion. Okay. Um, DeForest Buckner, defensive lineman. As of now, his status is what? Will be listed as questionable with back and groin injuries. Well, that sounds like me. Okay. Um, Braden Smith. Right side of the line, as of now, status is? I would assume he is out since he entered concussion protocol either late last night or this morning. Okay. Bernard Ryman, who... Oh, sorry, that was Bernard Ryman. I got Braden Smith backwards. That's all right. But Bernard is the concussion protocol. Braden Smith is dealing with a wrist injury, and he is iffy for Sunday as well. Iffy. Iffy, correct. That, that that that's Kevin Bowen's is that, wording is that in Andy's an, defense. That's an official status iffy. If we'll what? Questionable. What, what is the if? I guess questionable would be the proper med- medical term. I'd if say the if is that. if he plays or not. I'd say probably. Yeah. But he plays <laughs> if what? Like the the wrist is better. I would assume so. Yes, that would make sense. Anyone else that I'm missing? Not that I've been able to gather. Okay. The the key there probably is Bernard Ryman because that is that is new and if he is just now the problem is the one area that you need to best be prepared for against the Los Angeles Rams is probably their defensive front well the the strong arm of Matt Stafford but their defensive line you know you Aaron Donald I mean that guy Again, I know that he's not probably the Aaron Donald of five years ago, but he is a guy that can wreak havoc. And if you if they can move him around and put him in different positions, he may have some opportunity there. And you want to make sure that Anthony Richardson is kept clean. The other thing that I think with Richardson that comes into play, and there's no sign of this at this point, none, none. Three games, theoretically, in the course of his career, you'd love if you can get like, you know, I mean, hell, if you can get 90 games out of the guy in his career, you're like, well, okay, you know, that's a franchise quarterback. So it's three games. 
But I am a big believer in this, and that is that at the quarterback position, more than any other in sport in the NFL, I think you start to hear footsteps and hear voices. And like Anthony Richardson seemingly at this point, and this is what's been so fun about watching him, his combination of athleticism, improvisation, and just overall feel seem to be matched by almost like his own naivety about how he's not supposed to be in this situation just yet. And while everyone else is like, gosh, I want to see what the young quarterback does and whether he can grow into it, he seems to be the kind of guy that's like, no, nah, this is cool. And he's out there almost playing like like Lucy Goose. He's having fun out there. Correct. And that's fabulous. I mean, that, that you could not ask for a better start, except – and the concussion thing – I. Yeah, maybe it partially is on the brutality of the game because by his claim, he didn't see the defender closing in on him and so he he let up a little bit and that knocks him down and he hits his head backward. I mean, it's kind of a fluke thing, right? But you don't want to get him in situations where all of a sudden he's getting battered or more so he's getting accelerated in terms of his checkdowns and the thing he needs to, the things he needs to do because um then you start hearing the voices and you start getting like kind of a panic and the other thing the injury chatter is already there by the way like i i can't stand it he, he's had two injuries one of which didn't like impact him long term he didn't miss any real time other than the back end of a fourth quarter and the other one was a concussion that I mean, they're not preventable, but he even acknowledged that he took the foot off the gas a little bit at the end of that run, and now you're starting to see a little bit of an undercurrent from Colts fans of, oh, look what happened with Andrew Luck. Is this the path we're on now? And that's just three games into his career. Like, you're right, Jake. This has the this has the marks all around of a runaway train that could be, has he just an injury-prone quarterback now, which would be more narrative than anything, but right. like well, we're in that water. But, but, but the thing is this. So far, okay, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, you come up to the line of scrimmage. We use buzzwords a lot. We use a lot of words that like, and I know now with like all 22 and everything else, I mean, everybody out there is John Madden. I get it, right? But we use words like checkdowns. You know, you gotta, he's got to go through his progressions. He's got to do his checkdowns, look at his reads. Okay, what that means is this. Guy comes up to the line of scrimmage, snaps the ball, He's got three receivers that are out there. He's got the first option, his second option, and his third option. And more often than not, either through a panic, either through a defensive lineman that just came bursting through the line like the Kool-Aid man on the wall and was like, hey, hey, hey. And it's like, whoa, what's going on, you know? Uh, or that was <laughs> Oh, yeah, Fat you, you combined Fat oh, Albert yeah, and the Kool-Aid. Right. There you oh, go. Yeah, there, there it is. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. So – you know, you got all of a sudden the Kool Aid guy comes bursting through, and now you don't have time to go through all three. You're not looking for all three, right? Yeah. Or you, as the quarterback, are used to just saying, "I'm going to tuck the ball and run with it," right? So, Anthony Richardson, so far, I think combined the combination of he doesn't have necessarily guys that are always getting themselves open, but also because I think that they have simplified the playbook a little bit to shorten the amount of time before he takes off and runs. 
you know, a a Mac Jones or a Russell Wilson or whatever it might be, in their mind they're thinking, okay, if I've gone through all three checks, nobody's open, and I and in my head I know I'm like eight seconds into the play. Now it's time to stop and go and run. Anthony Richardson, they have designed for him to keep things fairly simple. Hey, listen, this is a design run for you. Or if you're like six seconds in and you want to run, then take off. They have allowed for that instinctively at this point. What is going to happen, though, is that in the chess game of football, the, the the defense is usually the one making adjustments. They are doing nothing. All, like the, the Los Angeles Rams, in game planning for Anthony Richardson, they spend all week studying one guy, right? They study one guy, how he's going to react in situations and, and, and what he does against this look, that look, this look, that look, Okay. Sure, they want to see Pittman's route. They want to see Alec Pierce's routes. But but for the most part, to 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 cut off to to kill the snake, you cut off the head. They are looking at one guy. For Anthony Richardson, he comes up to the line of scrimmage, and he's looking at like eight guys, ten guys, eleven guys, right? And so, unless he's playing Notre Dame, so he's looking over <laughs> right at, at all at this defense, and now and they're giving him all kinds of different looks. It was uncalled for. They're giving them all kinds of different looks, right? Yeah. So the advantage in the National Football League is advantage defense in the chess game. So as he progresses as a quarterback, he is going to start seeing different looks that are masking, and and the Colts are going to have to start opening up that playbook to, to come up with more options for him, and then it becomes a matter of how quickly does he pick up on those things and program the computer upstairs which he's done a great job of so far of knowing exactly when it's time to hit control alt reset on the same play and that's a hell of a lot going on inside of a quarterback's mind and now you're asking him to do that with potentially three starting line correct Be- and correct. Aaron Donald on the other side of the correct line. and the problem is the more the more physicality he faces early in his career, the harder it is to be able to then have the, the the mindset of, you know, there's just so much that goes into learning the position. And he looks like a fabulous talent, a big body, and an athletic guy that can do all of those things. But you want to create for him the easiest way possible before you throw him that, as I've said before, before you take away the lunch menu and give him the Cheesecake Factory menu and yeah. say, no, all of it, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't throw it all to him at once. And I will say, with how heavy the whether it's run pass option looks, whether it's giving Anthony Richardson quick and easy decisions to be made, one could make the argument well with how quick they want the ball to be out of his hands. Anyway, maybe you can get by with a game or two with maybe not all three out on the offensive line, but perhaps it won't bite you as fully as maybe the doom and gloom feels right now. But either way, you're still hoping that he's not going to abandon what you want out of him, Jake, which is continuing to eat little by little what they're asking from schematically and not get overwhelmed by what's being asked of him this week, which is you have to do everything we've outlined for you. You need to be able to process at a high level and to quote your buzzwords, work through your progressions while also maybe not having as much time as you did the last couple of weeks because, oh, by the way, your left tackle's out. No, your starting center's not going to be there and your right tackle is iffy. <laughs> by the way, Jeremy. Yeah. This is still ongoing. I admire the uh, fortitude. No. 
I feel bad for Jeremy. Oh. Um, Jeremy, by the way, a fan of the Colts and the Pacers. That's cool, right? And the Detroit Tigers. Like, then that's random, right? Yeah. I tend to not judge people on the baseball side because there's so many options in the melting pot that is baseball fandom here in Indiana. But, yeah, it's an odd one. Uh, by the way, also, Eddie, do we have the breaking news sounder? Uh, this just came across my phone, so it might have actually happened three days ago. I don't know. Uh, according to media sources, Dwayne Keith D. Davis was arrested earlier this morning by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police in connection to the 1996 murder of Tupac. Oh, you just ruined my bump music for next next segment. I've actually been to, um, well, Tupac and Biggie both. I've been to the location of... In Tupac's case, I guess one would say his alleged assassination. Aren't there those that believe he didn't actually die? That's a theory we will never know the answer to. Well, you don't know that. If he comes out tomorrow and says the hologram was a hoax, it's really me, then you know the answer. Yeah. You know it's, you know, it's no longer a theory, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm just saying. You're, you're not wrong in that regard. Yep. Biggie is in Los Angeles. The this, this, this site where Biggie was killed is in Los Angeles, a, a street corner in Los Angeles, right outside of a club, actually, for what that's worth. Um, but wasn't there, so what, I, I should know this more than you guys because it was more my era, but wasn't there a, an alleged rap beef that led to Tupac's demise? Yeah. I mean, East coast versus West coast, Correct, all that, right. So the, the rumors initially, you know, Biggie's guys versus Tupac's guys. Like you know what I, thing. you know what I actually bought the other day? I'm so proud of this. Um, late night, I'm flipping the channels the other night and, Straight out of Compton was on, which I saw in the theater. But uh, I'm flipping it through. I have all. You know what is really hard to find? Really hard to find. What's really hard to find? A six pack of PBR. No, a script Los Angeles Raiders hat. Hmm. Way harder to find than you think. And I actually found one online and bought it. And, and they and that now I'm like I don't know I don't ever want to wear this because it's like my own little like oh like Ice Cube W A tribute exactly that's what I'm talking about like they all wore them right. Raiders are king they had L A Raiders or L A Kings yeah. L A Kings a team still in existence so it's a little easier to find but it truly a script Los Angeles Raiders hat is not the easiest thing in the world to find we got tickets to give away by the way for the Meekum auction October fifth sixth and seventh one do them now Eddie another set of them that's fine Jimmy one number four. All right, caller number four, 239-1070. You are going to get a pair of tickets to the Mecham Auction. This is October 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Your caller number four at 239-1070. You are on your way. James Boyd is on the way to joining us here in just a couple minutes. You know one th- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And I probably dwell on this more than I should. But you know one thing that I noticed about the game last night? Two things actually last night between the Lions and the Packers. I'm curious if you guys noticed. PBR number two. I sent you the photo, right? You did. I told Motman halfway through the game, I sent him a text. I said, you might as well go ahead and crack open the next one, right? He's like, just keep the foot on the gas. We got to keep it going here. Uh, the Lions have really clean looking uniforms, man. Yes. Like they are. They have cool. And I mean, it's they've obviously pretty much been the same all the way through. Um, although they got rid of Bubbles. Do you know who Bubbles is? I would assume a mascot. Bubbles was the, the original lion on the helmet. I, I shouldn't say original. The Barry Sanders era Lions 
the lion on the helmet, you know, he's he's kind of in the mid-standing like roar. Well, they added, they changed that logo and added more of kind of like a, almost like a griffin-like streak off of the lion and made the lion look just a little bit more fierce because people started claiming that it looked like their helmets on the side were just a lion playing with bubbles, like like batting at bubbles. And they were like, the, the, lion, the lion should be fierce. But they got cool-looking uniforms. But the other thing, too, is I, I happened to mention yesterday, there's a lot about Amazon Prime that I like. I, I've watched a couple of shows on it that were really good and really enjoyed them. Um and but but lately when i've ordered things off amazon it's still amazing that you can order stuff and it shows up i get it but the pro, the advantage of a prime membership is supposed to be like next day shipping and literally probably half of my i don't order from there a lot admittedly but when i have there have been more often than not there are delays we realize you ordered this, but it's actually now going to be there Tuesday. Like when my Australian friends were here for the Indy 500 and I ordered an Australian flag so they could have it at the parade and at the race. And I ordered it like on Tuesday and it was supposed to arrive on Friday. And I'm like, perfect. And then literally on Thursday, I'm like, you're delayed. Like your, your shipment now will receive, will be shipped next Monday. I'm like, well, I, I can't use it then. Yeah. But last night, did anybody else experience this? Maybe it, it very well, open disclaimer, very well could be our system. No question about that. But the game froze and buffered itself like three times while I was watching it. Not for me. I've had it happen before, but I did not have it happen last night. Okay. Somebody else sent, sent me a thing that it happened to them as well, and they finally, we, I finally just punted on it. Did either of you go next gen? Nope. I don't even know. How do you do that? If you go to, like, once you get to the selection in the Amazon Prime menu of Watch Live, if you just press More Info, it'll show you all the broadcasts they have. And then the third option, it gives you the Spanish language option. It gives you the main broadcast. Then it gives you the next-gen side. Have you ever watched a game in the Spanish version? I flew to it before, but not a whole game, no. I I did. There was one game. JMV and I both were talking about it. It was a couple years ago. uh, There was like a snafu where they had only the Spanish version of of like some random game uh, for like a quarter. And it's always fun to try to find out how much of it you actually can recognize. And it's it's also interesting to me some of the words that don't they don't appear in Spanish. So they they're speaking in Spanish, and then all of a sudden they'll drop it. American field goal. You know, like wait, what? Touchdown. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. Will you be watching Sunday morning's game between the Jags and the Falcons? On ESPN Plus, I believe. What what time is it? And Toy Story. You're under. You undercut the bit at the end of the show. Now I'm now I'm disappointed. Well, we had the topic come up, Jimmy, organically. What'd you say? What about Toy Story? They're doing a Toy Story broadcast in Andy's room for the game over across the pond between the Jags and the Falcons Sunday morning. I believe kickoff is at nine thirty. That that's correct. not Sunday morning. That's Saturday night. Nine thirty is still Saturday night, right? Nine thirty a.m. Yeah, for those of us in the rock star lifestyle, I mean, come on. <laughs> okay. Don't I mean, most bars on. is it is it closing time around hey, like four, listen, five? When I was when I was doing the Broderbull thing back when Broderbull was still a thing, uh, bars would close at four. That is crazy in hindsight. I'm like, it's nuts. That wasn't justice. For eating Andy's at Paco's room. Cantina, getting a slice of pizza with Jufron sauce on it at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> like, yeah, the Jags are kicking <laughs> off in five hours. I'm gonna watch it from the Toy Story room. Blue Friday. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, on the fan, always good when our next guest stops by. You know him well as his time occasionally popping in here in the fan studios, the drivehuber.com studios, of course, but you also know him for his work as a Colts beat writer on The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Romeoville Kid, it is one James Boyd. James, great to have you back on the program. Thanks, as always, for making the time. Hope the Friday's treating you well. I want to dive in straight to Shane Steichen's comments to the media a little bit earlier this afternoon. What was your level of surprise on the element that surprised me the most, which is likely no Bernard Ryman as he entered the concussion protocol? And was there any more clarity as to when a concussion might have been sustained for the left tackle? No, there was not much clarification. Shane Steichen is not one to give a lot of details out, quite frankly. <laughs> so all we have is that he's in a concussion protocol. He wouldn't even rule him out, but realistically, he will be ruled out. I mean, if you had a concussion, say, happen yesterday, so since today, whatever the case may be, it is very, very, very unlikely that you'll be able to clear protocol and all of those things and then be available to play Sunday. So that is a big blow to the Colts and their offensive line for sure. And then obviously, Braden Smith was out today, starting right tackle with a wrist injury. You know, no Ryan Kelly. He's in the concussion protocol. So they could be looking at, you know, playing without three of their starting offensive linemen. James, realistically, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. The concussion protocol itself, a player can enter it a couple of different ways. One would be they are clearly like concussed on a play on the field, which, you know, you can see. The other would be, or another, I should say, would be that the player themselves, as was the case with Anthony Richardson, volunteers the information of, look, I think something's a little off. And then the third is that a a coach or a participant can say, I think he needs to be looked at. In the case of Bernard Ryman, wouldn't one assume that unless something happened in practice, that perhaps something actually happened in the game and there were slow to arrive, um, what's symptoms? Because you know, like like maybe he just simply woke up with a headache or blurred vision or whatever it might be. I mean, aren't we to still kind of assume that this would have been a game-related activity? That could be the case. We just don't know. Without any clarification from Shane Steichen, it's hard to say. But to your point, Jake, it is a possibility that that's what occurred, that he had something happen, you know, in that win at Baltimore. And then just over the next few days, today he really woke up and felt um, different. And not Shane, I'm sorry, Anthony Richardson said it today where he, you know, sustained his concussion against the Texans. And initially he said he thought it was a headache. So that could be a similar type of thing for some of these other guys where you feel like you just got a regular headache or something, but then it intensifies, whatever the case may be, where you kind of realize, like, oh, maybe this is something more. When you look at the body of work, and it's very, very small at this point from Anthony Richardson, Jake was talking about this earlier. James Boyd is our guest here on Query and Company. How you're asking him to process on the fly and get better and more efficient at that week by week in a gradual process. There's, of course, tougher tests when you have defenses like the Rams coming into town like you could have had with Baltimore last week. But now you're asking him to do that without potentially three starting offensive linemen. James, 
how much more difficult and how much more pressure does it put on not just Anthony Richardson, but guys like Zach Moss, guys like Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, to alleviate the amount of time it's going to take Anthony Richardson to make those reads and get rid of the football, knowing that Aaron Donald could attack you from multiple fronts now without a number of offensive linemen. Yeah, Anthony was asked, you know, what did you learn about Aaron Donald this week? And I actually laughed when the question came out because I was like, who needs to learn anything about Aaron Donald at this point? I mean, this guy's dominate. What else do you need to know? But obviously he did say they have to account for him. And that, that's a factor when you don't have your top guys out there. And I do think that it's safe to say that two of them probably won't be out there and Ryan Kelly and, you know, Bernard Ryan with the concussion uh, issues. And then obviously we'll see with Braden Smith. But I do think that a lot of it has to come down to the quick game. And, and, and to your point, how quickly can these guys get open and, and just kind of help Anthony see things and dissect things and get things done um, fairly fast because if he's holding on to the ball, yes, he's athletic, yes, he can extend plays, but it just creates more, I think, room for, for trouble and hits on him because you don't have that same protection level. So we'll see how it goes. It definitely isn't something that you want to hear on a Friday as far as your you know uh, health status goes for your team, but um, this is one of those things where the Colts are in a weird spot because they've overachieved so far but then they're also in a in, in this situation where they haven't had a lot of continuity offensively because of the quarterbacks being out of the lineup. And then like you said, some of the offensive line changes. James, if the if there's a juxtaposition at the line here, because there are other, you know, we again, Ryan Kelly, we're not positive. Braden Smith, we're not positive. Bernard Ryman now probably we could say is out. Uh who does then slide over to the left tackle position and how dangerously thin does the line depth become? Yeah, I would have to look back at the depth chart, honestly. I mean, would it be uh, Blake Freeland, potentially? I mean, you know, he's the fourth-round pick, the swing tackle. They did draft him for some of that depth. I mean, that that's a possibility. But, I mean, we just don't really know. This is one of those things where we kind of criticize Chris Ballard because there wasn't a lot of depth added to this team as far as the offensive line went coming into the season. And early on, it was like, hey, they're, they're playing pretty well. They're playing better than last year. But as we all know, offensive lines tend to get dinged up sometimes. That's what's happened here. So I truly cannot say. Um, I would love to ask Shane Steichen. He would never tell me. Um, so we'll see how it goes. And I guess to add just an interesting wrinkle is, you know, uh, Sam Ellinger didn't practice today. You know, he's got our aggravated right shoulder, his throwing shoulder. So he wouldn't tell us who the third starting, uh, the third string quarterback will be either, just in case. I want to, by the way, totally shifting gears, James Boyd. Let me tell you the guy that I, and I think people thought that I was like too quick, that I fell in love too quick. Um, I really liked what I saw out of Juju Brents. I, I just loved his energy. I loved like kind of his swagger a little bit. And I like the fact that he looks like a guy that actually not only is not afraid of contact, but covets it and is looking for it. And it is really dangerous in these parts to compare somebody to Bob Sanders, who's one of the most popular and dynamic defensive players in the history of the franchise, but he had a little bit of that swagger and edge about him that a Bob Sanders had. Am I am I too starstruck here? A little bit because it's one game, right? But I do think that it was a game to remember. We didn't just look at it as a cliff note, like, oh, okay, he made his NFL debut. When he made that fourth fumble on Kenyon Drake, it was like, oh, here's his NFL debut. And then obviously him being 6'3", 200 pounds, very physical person. I talked to him today actually about that physicality. So I guess stay tuned with the athletic, you know, to plug my own work a little bit. But, no, he, uh, 
his mentality is, is fascinating, and the way he describes it, I thought was really cool too. Just he always has this phrase called "run through the smoke." So we talked about that today, what that means, and just kind of being fearless. And the way he plays is fearless, and I think that they kind of needed that. And I mean, quite honestly, he was put in there because of how Daryl Baker Jr. struggled against Houston. And I mean, ten snaps in, I was like, yeah, that job's not going back to Daryl Baker anytime soon. Like it's Juju's now. You know, as a second round pick, it was probably going to be that anyways. And he's uh, he's come along strong in that first game, and now he's got to see if he can build on it. James Boyd of The Athletic is our guest. James, prior to the news of how rough the Colts offensive line would look, that obviously updated with the injury statements made by Shane Steichen to the media today. But prior to that, I would have said that the Colts and their defensive front would have a better chance of success. Even though Aaron Donald's on the other side for the Rams, I would have thought they'd have a better chance for success given the injuries along the Rams offensive line and the fact that Matthew Stafford was sacked six times in Cincinnati now the Colts have those injuries on their own offensive line. Does this game change now to a fully, to borrow a phrase, rock fight type of defensive battle? Or is there still room for offensive flow for both teams? I think there's always room depending on how you scheme it. And we've praised Shane Sykin so much so far. And I think that this is going to be a test of, okay, how much can a coach kind of mask when it comes to deficiencies or personnel issues and still be able to, have a competent offense, but I mean, ideally the Colts would probably, I mean, with the latest developments with the offensive line, the Colts probably prefer a rock fight similar to what they had in Baltimore, where it's like, let's just muddy the game up. Let's get some turnovers and let's kind of swing the game in our favor that way. Because I mean, the Colts' offense last week wasn't that great, but they gave themselves a ton of chances with the forced turnovers. And then obviously with Matt Gay being in your back pocket, and being able to kick it from anywhere. And uh, I guess you feel a lot better about having him this week Again, because you, you might run into situations where maybe on a couple of drives we don't punch it in. We have this guy who, who can flip the field for us and flip the, flip the name of the game because he is so potent in kicking. How much more of the playbook do we see this week? Or do you think, James, that they still keep things fairly simplistic? Like, like are they slowly taking off the training wheels for Anthony Richardson, even though I realize, you know, he's been limited and we didn't see him last game? Yeah, I was going to say, had he played – all three games fully up until this point, I'll be like, yeah, Jake, you're right. They're probably going to take the training wheels off at this point. We're getting a month into the season. He's going to, you know, hit the ground running at some point. They have to take training wheels off at some point. But I do think that there probably is going to be some some conservative nature to whatever they do because of the personnel issues, the health issues, and then him not playing a lot. I mean, he's played 87 snaps this season. Gardner Minshew, I think, is at like 129 or something like that. I know it's over 100. So I just don't think you can throw a lot at him. Yes, he practiced a full week this week, but, I mean, how much do you want to put on his plate considering that he still has to learn to protect himself as well? We talked to him today, and he basically said he's not changing his his style at all, um, which is maybe what you want to hear and then also what you don't want to hear. So we got to see if he can handle things from that aspect too. James, the loom of Jonathan Taylor, or Twiggy as we have called him, is approaching in terms of his looming return next week off of IR. Who knows if he plays, who knows what happens, but you can see it now. You're seeing exit signs towards Jonathan Taylor's return. Is there anything that Zach Moss could do from a positive or negative standpoint this week that would impact the level of carries or level of involvement in the offense he would have if Jonathan Taylor is suiting up and ready to report for the Colts next week? No, I think he's proven enough, actually. And I actually think the running game will be really good if 
you add JT to the mix because Zach Moss, his style of play is sort of that bruising, you know, gets you the extra three yards, doesn't go down on first contact, that type of guy. You add that to a guy like JT who has all those abilities plus the home run hitting ability, I think you would have one of the better running back duels in the league. So I think Zach Moss has proved enough to, to, to show that he isn't just, you know, some fill-in. He's been a really good above-average um, replacement and someone who I think has made the case for if and when JT returns to still be able to get some of those carries. So maybe the breakdown is when JT's fully healthy and back in the lineup, um, it's JT getting 18 carries and Zach Moss getting 12. All I know is that if Zach Moss remains the guy, it's just unrealistic for him to be sustainable at this level with, you know, 30 carries one week, playing every single snap except for one the other week. I mean, those things are just not realistic. So we'll see how it goes. But I would say for all the Colts fans who are looking at the calendar, like, oh, he's going to be back. There's no guarantee. I mean, JT has still given no public indication that he wants to play for this team. And so that's something that you have to consider when you talk about him being reintegrated is you can't force somebody back into a lineup that doesn't want to be there. Do you believe that if Jonathan Taylor is activated and on the roster that he will be able to play immediately? No. I do think there has to be some kind of ramp-up period. Um, even if he is you know, fully healed and fully engaged, I don't think it would be a wise decision to just throw him out there um, come next week just because he's eligible to play. I mean, the guy hasn't practiced. And that, that, that to me, is probably a good indication of you know, uh, getting your win back, getting your conditioning back, those types of things. So, realistically, I would expect him to make his return in week six if he, you know, is able to put the whole, you know, you didn't trade me, I didn't get the contract extension, those types of things um, to the side. Okay, the other question would be when he does get reactivated, and let's say that he is not traded, I don't personally believe that he wants to be with the franchise, but – let's say that he he is and he doesn't have a choice, is there resentment from the rest of the roster at this point? I think that there will be more resentment towards the team not moving on. I mean, yes, it becomes personal at that point because I, I think last week's win really brought them together. You could just tell that they're all moving in one direction, so you can't add dead weight to the team no matter how talented he is if he isn't pulling in that same direction. But I do think there will be some – the players will never say it, um, there'll be some animosity, I do think, just because of you're putting a body on the line. You see Zach Moss go out there last week and limp his way um, through that overtime period to help them win. Um, that's definitely a factor. But also, from a team perspective, you have to question your management and from and question your ownership because, I mean, why are you forcing a player to be there who doesn't want to be there? And I think that that's something that players are going to think about. Maybe not so much because they're in the middle of the season, but that's a factor when you're thinking about, okay, how does the team treat our, our guys? One of your star players wants out. You're not going to give him out, and you're just going to hang it over his head that you control his future. That's not helping the team at all. So it's definitely something that's not going to be uh, easy to look at one way, but the conversation gets louder the closer we get to Monday, which is the first day that JT could be activated um, to rejoin the team. James, I've been really impressed at this point with Josh Downs and his ability to become, especially early in games, kind of that safety net you know, receiver for, well, I mean, Minshew, obviously, and then, you know, Richardson. But has he shown enough that defenses now all of a sudden are going to try to almost take him away and negate him? Or is he going to be kind of the Colts-like little X-factor guy all year long, if that makes sense? I think it's the latter because you want to take away Pittman. You want to take away Alec Pierce. 
because they give you probably more big play ability. But has Pierce but, shown enough that you have to worry about trying to take him away? I think it's twofold. I think they haven't really used them a lot down the field because a lot of stuff is underneath. But I think it's probably easier to continue to do that, if that makes sense. Um, you know, let's say they, they key in on Josh Downs. They're like, oh, not to worry about Alec Pierce. But if Alec Pierce has two catches against you for 30 yards, that changes the game a lot more than, say, Josh Downs is six, seven yards, you know, um, on, on second down or something like that. Now, I do think that Josh Downs will get more attention, but to his credit, he's dealt with attention a lot throughout his career, at least at North Carolina. I mean, everyone knew he was getting the ball when he played for the Tar Heels, and he still got it a ton and still made plays. So I think he's shown with his sort of water bug ability, some of that wiggle, some of the route running, that he's able to get open regardless of its man coverage or zone coverage. He has that versatility to continue to make plays. Coming into this game, the Colts rank about middle of the pack in terms of rush yards of giving up per game. I know some of that was inflated by the way that, you know, <laughs> in general, Lamar Jackson is able to pick apart defense with his legs. But you have Travis Etienne in week one, and then you have Gus Edwards who gets hurt, and then you have a, a number of different backs by committee for the Ravens. And then you look, of course, with Houston as well. How will Kyron Williams test the Colts from a defensive standpoint? He's a lead back in L.A. His yards per carry don't do a lot to jump off the page, but he is able to slowly chop away at defensive fronts. How will Kyron Williams test them? I think he'll test them. I think the biggest test is just can you know they do something in the passing game to kind of alleviate that pressure on him. Because quite frankly, running against the Colts right now just does not seem like a very good idea and definitely not interior running because uh, – Grover Stewart is there. DeForest Buckner is there. They don't like to, uh, you know, be moved around too much. They usually do do the moving themselves. So I would not recommend, you know, banking on him to have a huge day. But he is obviously something something they have to account for. And to me, it's it's, can the Colts take away some of that balance? Like, can they continue to kind of be stout in the run game and force the the, the Rams to throw? Now, Matthew Stafford can still beat you throwing, but you got to take away something, right? So I think that that's one of the things where they've been good at it all year so far. Um, can they continue to kind of uphold that standard? James, who are the three? Now, this is going to put you on the spot here. Who are the three worst teams in the NFL? The Chicago Bears are far and away number one. Okay. Um, the Broncos are number two yep. because, I mean, you got video game numbers being put up on you. And personally, real tangent, I would not have taken the whole knee thing. I would have kicked the field goal. Give me the record. And then uh, <laughs> lastly, I would say the Cardinals because, I mean, yes, they beat the, the Cowboys uh, last week, but I don't think anybody would expect them to uh, go out here and win. I don't, I don't think people would bet on them winning four games this year because they're just not good and they're actually trying to lose. Could the, okay, could the Titans start to slide their way into the conversation? Absolutely. I mean, if Derrick Henry is not going to be Derrick Henry – who are the Titans? What can you expect from them? But I will say this. You'll know how bad they are depending on how things go against the Colts here in a couple of weeks because I think that you know, no matter how good or bad things are going in Tennessee, they always have the Colts' number, it seems like. So I think if the Colts can get over that hump, maybe it's a sign of where the Colts are and also where the Titans are with their team because it seems like whatever Mike Rabel has, he's able to just make them mean and uh, they're just able to out-tough the Colts. So we'll see. Okay, who are the four best teams in the NFL? Four best teams in the NFL. Um, I would say San Francisco, Kansas City, no order, um, Philly, and then I'm trying to think, the Lions. Give me the Lions. Over like Mi- so, so you're not sold yet on oh, Miami? No, I'm taking that back. Actually, Miami, I'm sorry. Yes, Miami's 
See, I, I rephrase I, that. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take out. Uh, I'll take out Kansas City. Actually, I personally. Okay, no, okay. all right. Those are fighting words. What those are? I personally yeah, I think, think for you, Jimmy. <laughs> I think Miami is the one of the teams that we know are really good. There is always Jimmy, or excuse me, James and Jimmy. There's always a team that starts out like a house of fire, and then water finds its level. And you look back in November and you're like, gosh, you remember when we thought so-and-so was awesome? And and I'm not saying that Miami isn't really good because they are, but I feel like Miami doesn't have the depth to be able to sustain if there's any injury at all at a couple of key positions the way the other teams do. If I had to pick one of those four or five that I think could level off, it would be Miami. James, your thoughts on that? I don't know, man. I think they're legit. I think that the, the, their top-end talent, like how talented their skill position players are, how creative Mike McDaniel has been so far, I, I'm a believer in them for sure. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I don't disagree with that, but what I'm saying is I feel like it's two or three players for them that are really out of this world right now, and if one of those two or three guys goes out, they come down to level really hard, whereas the other teams have a schematic design and a depth that allows them to overcome some of the topsy-turvy nature of the season, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying, but I actually disagree. I think Kansas City without Travis Kelsey is an awful team. Um, we saw that, so <laughs> that that would be my, my caveat for like if an injury happens to a player. I mean, that's every team. I mean, part of being a good team is being lucky enough to just stay healthy. So um, again, if I pick my top four realistically, it would be Miami, um, you know, Philly, San Francisco, and Kansas City with the Detroit Lions being my dark horse. But um, injuries they could happen to any team to change any team. I mean, if you take AJ Brown or Devontae Smith off of Philly, are they the same team? Yes, they have depth, but um, I think. It's, it's just how the nature of the game goes, and Miami deserves a lot of credit right now, for sure. I mean, it is amazing what Miami's doing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It just seems... I mean, they got Sean Payton looking like he can't coach after all the trash talk that he, you know, had about different <laughs> coaches. I'm like, man, this is about as bad as it could have went for you. You know what's Seriously. weird about Sean Payton? Two things weird about Sean Payton. Number one, I was on a flight to New Orleans once, and due to a snafu in my travel, they put me in first class, and Sean Payton was in coach. I always thought that was cool. Um <laughs> But secondly, like, when did Sean Payton suddenly become really weird looking? Did you notice that? Like, like all of a sudden now, he Sean Payton was kind of this, like, cool, youngish-looking, energetic dude, and he suddenly just looks really, like, tired and battered. Denver does things to people, man. I, I guess, man. And it, uh, has anybody else noticed that? Now that you say no, it, I, yes. I'm about to say, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really looked at uh, Sean Payton throughout the years, his, his uh, you know, headshots or anything like that. But I would tell you this, losing ages you, that's for sure. I, mean, I know. I feel like everyone in Chicago is probably like 90 right now, and they're only three games into the season. So my whole thing was that he obviously was looked at as being such a great coach. I'm not taking away the things he did in the past, but to return from like this year off to, to have someone trade for you and then to come out and be one of the worst teams in the league, clearly – and, you know, have somebody hung on you. I mean, what, what, what can we say about his coaching uh, philosophies right now? And, and as we talk about players producing, is uh, what have you done for me lately league for the coaches as well? And right now, he is looking in over his head. James, the exercise you need to do after you're done with us is put a picture in your mind of what you think Sean Payton looks like or what you remember him to what he looks like. Google Sean Payton, and you'll have the same reaction that I did, which is to Jake's point. Like, wow, he, he looks totally. different. I, it's, it's this, actually. 
It's the fact that, like, when he was coaching in New Orleans, like, he was like this – he wasn't Sean McVay level of, like, fountain of youth, but he was an energetic, high energy, yeah. running along the sidelines guy. And, like, now he looks like a guy that's like, holy cow, man. It's just weird. Like, he, he – yeah. you know. I mean, I yeah, hope I mean, his health is okay. I don't know. I mean, he, yeah, Pete Carroll still has a bunch of energy, and he's in Correct. the 70s, So, yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. Um, all right, lastly, in terms of my last question, I ask this of everybody, so I'll ask you, James Boyd. Uh, Monday morning, we come in to do the radio show, and I'm kicking off the show Monday afternoon, I guess I'd say, and I'm talking about a Colts win. It is going to be because the Colts did what? And don't say score more points. No, that's a lame answer. I would say they forced – at least two turnovers and scored off of both of them. Wow. And okay. by scoring, I mean you score touchdowns. So that that's what that would be my, my guess. So like, you think you've got to you think that the Rams have the offensive ability that you've got to play that you gotta make sure that you're on the accelerator. Not necessarily, but I just think that again with Anthony Richardson coming back, I just I just don't expect him to immediately hit the ground running and look like he didn't miss a, a beat. I mean I expect some rustiness. And then just some growing pains because he's still a rookie quarterback. So how do you offset some of that? You get turnovers, you get a short field, and you capitalize on it. Similar to how they did in Houston. They had the great drive early on, get the turnover, and he scores like one play later. That's kind of how I would expect them to, to be able to pull out a win. He is James Boyd. You can subscribe to his work on The Athletic. Colts beat writer over there. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Romeoville Kid. James, enjoy the weekend, and I guess be thankful of one thing. You'll have to watch Colts Rams. You won't have to watch the misery that is Bears Broncos. Man, it is unbelievable that the Broncos lost by 50 last week, and they're favored to win on the road. Let's, let you every, let, let, let's tell you everything you need to know about Chicago and why <laughs> my hot take I've been giving you and everyone else since you've known me Bandwagon fans are the smartest people on earth. You Poor Justin Fields, man. Poor <laughs> Justin Fields. Like, if you're a Chicago fan right now, you jump ship. Are you uh, Are you going to watch Illinois-Purdue tomorrow? Absolutely not. Hey, but James, no, I, did I, I you just find out Did you just find out Illinois and Purdue played because of that mentioned by Eddie? Yes, truly. <laughs> Eddie's always reminding me of what happened. So, um, no, I have no interest in watching two mediocre football teams go at it. But if they do win, I'll be talking a bunch of trash to Purdue fans. Like, I did watch the game. Enjoy the weekend. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, man. That's the way it works, right? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, we got to get kind of a look over the NFL schedule. Take a look at some of the games that are intriguing. The Bears and Broncos would not be one of them, but we'll look at some of the others. We'll do it next. I, I can promise you. We we Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We talk about it too. We always do. We always talk about it. For what it's worth. The company delivers the content. Now, now I would hope, so I guess that means like when the other shows are on is when they would use us, right? Because like it would, you don't need to, you know we're talking about it because you're listening to the show, right. right? Yep. Okay. Um, fair point, by the way, somebody pointed out to me that like, look, Jake, the Dolphins are loaded on offense all over the place. I, I, I get that, except for, you know, realistically they have, and I like him, a quarterback that that's the biggest durability question is right there at the front, right? Yeah. I mean, the only reason that I, I don't push back on it, but like if, to James's point, I don't know about Travis Kelsey going down, if like that totally derails the Chiefs' season. But, like, if Mahomes went down, it's over. If a starting QB goes down for most teams, it's over. Like, there's no there's no hope of 
you still winning a Super Bowl for the most part without your starting quarterback. But in particular, for Miami's case, yeah, you take two out, the offense is not hum the same well, way. Well, and I get to your point, of course, that's, you know, you're like, well, yeah, you could say that about anywhere, right? Except for that, if you look at Tua's career, I mean, I'm trying to look here, you know, he's played 39 games. How many did he play? How many games did he miss a year ago? Like six? I, I, I think mean, it was the last five, yeah. Last five in the playoffs, and there was a noticeable drop off in terms of their offensive efficiency without him. But I also think that they have. I mean, yes, I know that they have like weapons all over the place. But the way that they utilize them, they are they they have speed to burn at their two running back positions. And if either one of those guys goes down, it just becomes, you know, I I, I feel like I would say it's it's two players really for them. And I say that because, and I know it's the Broncos, but like they hung seventy on Denver without Jalen Waddle. You lose Tyreek Hill, you lose Tua, it's near season killing for Miami. Uh, to me, it, most dirt's been huge for them. Sure. I mean, it opens just, they have, they're, they're open space guys, right? Yeah. But but Tua is the big question mark. I, I just. The pulse on Miami gets real three of their next six games. Here's what's they funny go, about Miami. Sure. What's funny about Miami is, what was the big drama about Miami two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was? What was the big scandal of the Miami Dolphins? Sucking, right? Was it per- losing Correct. on purpose? Correct. Yes. Yeah, Brian yeah. Flores. What did he? What did he claim that they told him to lose on purpose so that they could accumulate assets and picks and rebuild and start from scratch? And everybody's like, "That's the worst thing ever." And now, like three years later, they're the sexiest team in the league. The Philadelphia 76ers, The process. That's the worst thing ever. And now they got an MVP. Now, I don't obviously they didn't for them it didn't totally pan out, right. but you know, they are an upper echelon team. I mean in the moment it sucks. Losing is not fun in the moment, no question. But later you look back at it and you go, I kind of see it now. There's a difference between perennial losing and losses piling up for a better chance, like you mentioned, to get out of the muck of picking 18th every year. Yeah. The, the the vat of suck. Yes. You get in that thing, it's impossible. Do you remember when you were a kid? When I was a kid, one of my the, the things that most fascinated me, and I really did, the, I, I have no idea. It must have been some sort of a video game that made me think this. But I was always, like, terrified of quicksand. I don't know why. Like, when I was a kid, there was this perception of, like, you know, if you get in quicksand... It's over. That's it. <laughs> it, 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 it. You're never heard from again, right? Yeah. And so, like, I, I think of the NFL is kind of like that. It's like a vat of quicksand. If you're like the... Just a perennial 8-18... Eight and 18, The Dolphins were forever. They're the prime example of it. Literally, the Dolphins every year after between... Dan Marino and now theoretically it was like every year they were like seven and nine eight and eight great you're drafting 18th good Have luck. fun the Indiana Pacers of the NFL yeah of the last 10 years yeah yes. for sure yeah I mean the Pacers did an unbelievable job for a long time there of kind of overcoming that and sustaining and transitioning from like three different eras and maintaining a very high level. And then after the Paul George thing, for sure. Like since Paul George, right? Same thing. Like, you you know, I like, you know, last year, 
the Pacers came out last year at the beginning of the year and basically just bit the bullet finally and said, like, you know what? Here's how it's going to be. We're not going to be very good. We're going to lose some games. We ask that you be patient with us. And then they came out and kind of exceeded expectation. Um, which of these games is the – okay, we know for a fact the worst game of the, of the week is Denver and Chicago, right? Can I throw something out there about that game? With how bad it is, does it have the train wreck-like effect where you just almost tempted to tune in just for a yes. bit to experience it? Yeah. Well, like there's another 0-3 game on the slate. I can't remember if it's Vikings, Panthers, or what it is, but that, that doesn't interest me at all. But this particular 0-3 matchup interests me a tad bit t- because no, of how I, bad the football is. I tend to be. agree with that. And I'll be honest, the storyline of Justin Fields is intriguing because yeah. the guy has shown – you know, again, the Justin Fields-Bears thing is literally chicken and egg. Is the quarterback terrible because the team is or is the team terrible because the quarterback is? I personally think – and and again, Justin Fields, another prime example of what the Colts want to avoid, and that is that there is an element of a point of no return with a guy, when a yeah. guy struggles, where there's just no riding the ship. If you fast forward to year three of the Anthony Richardson era, if the Colts are staring 0-3 down the barrel, then the conversations which are happening in Chicago are, well, hey, Caleb Williams is on the horizon. Let's just punt. That's not the conversation that you want to have if you're a Colts fan. The Bears well, are the Bears are I mean the Bears have hated themselves for a while in regards to the struggles they've had at that particular position, but this one has to sting the most. I I mean at this point he he appears to be regressing, right? I mean that's the problem. Um let me give you a couple of games you tell me I, I always use my Columbia Missouri what what is that sound? What are, are we taking off a ship yep. here? What are we doing? It's the spaceship over here. Trade well, tables upright in locked Getting, position. Yep, hey, Seriously, what is going on? Can anybody can people hear that over the air? Probably not. I right? don't know. Is that the fan on your computer, Eddie? I don't know which one, if it's mine, yours, or Jimmy's. Who knows? Um, I'm going to use my, I always say, my Columbia, Missouri guy on couch flipping channels, okay? It's 42 degrees. It's raining outside. You live in Columbia, Missouri. You woke up late on a Sunday. You've been napping all day, and you're flipping the channels. These are the games that it lands on, and you tell me if you keep flipping and turning to Turner and Hooch and Shawshank on TNT, or you stay and watch a while. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Las Vegas at the Chargers. Now this could get interesting because Jimmy Garoppolo has entered the concussion protocol. Really for the Raiders, Josh McDaniels did not say if he was out on Sunday, and if that's the case, there's a debate to be had within Raiders fans on who they want as the starting quarterback, being Aiden O'Connell. Or Brian Hoyer. Aiden O'Connell is like a fan favorite there because he played really well in the preseason. Yep. By the way, the concussion protocol, uh, I'm not making light of it in any way. I don't know if it's increased awareness, increased increased like almost public relation, but doesn't it seem like all of a sudden like we're hearing way more about the concussion protocol than in any season in the past? Well, I feel like there's a reason for that to happen given – to as well document a concussion struggles totally. a year ago. I mean, totally, that's getting, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's an awareness in, in PR thing, right? I, yes, but I would also uh, acknowledge the fact that we're hearing a lot of it here, especially this week, because of the amount that are stacking up. Right. Uh, by the way, yes, I'd but, watch but it. But in terms of like Thursday afternoon concussion protocol entries, like, wait, what? Okay. Uh, I'd watch it. Pittsburgh at Houston. No. No. Okay. I would watch that other game, by the way. Minnesota at Carolina. No. Negatory. Washington at Philadelphia. Yes. 
Want to see some Sam Howell? Okay. Love some Jalen Hurts? Let's go. Here's one that's a human buzzkill. If you turn it on and this is what you're getting offered on one of the networks, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Oh, boy. First to 10 wins. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> Tampa at New Orleans is like, ugh. Okay. And Derek Carr's hurt, too, right? Jameis like, Winston is starting, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll watch for the intrigue. Ooh, Jameis against his old team, right? Mm-hmm. There's your storyline. Revenge game. Baltimore Cleveland. Yes. Yes. Uh, Atlanta at Jacksonville. If you're not an AFC South market, no. I'd probably watch it because it's at 9:30 in the morning. Well, I actually, I said no, but I'm going to watch. Okay, it. lastly, that was Monday game. night, Seattle at the Giants. No, thank you. Ugh. No, I'm good. I don't know, man. Seattle. See, here's the thing, though. I say a lot of no. Teeter, teetering game for Seattle here. We're going to find out. Yeah. You know, Seattle. Seattle got every like a lot of drips out of the turnip from Geno Smith. Who played well? Who's played well for them? But are they continuing to ride that out, or does reality? You know, are, is water finding its level? We're going to find out. If they lose to the Giants in New York, then you got to think Seattle kind of gets back into the vat, right? Probably, particularly the amount of money they're paying to Geno Smith. I, by the way, I say no to all those games, but here's the solution, gentlemen in Columbia, Missouri, Red Zone. Red Zone will get you there. Doesn't matter because then you take the vat of suck. And you turn it into a nice stew. And you're enjoying a little 42-degree weather watching Red Zone. I don't know. Shawshank's pretty tempting, to be honest with you. Uh, We'll come back. We'll get some of Jimmy's picks. And we'll tell you who's going to win on Sunday. The Jay Cook. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Days of the day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's plays of the day as we look ahead to the massive sports weekend. Not a ton that catches my eye in college football, so we'll just play the under 72 and a half in USC at Colorado. Bad, bad bet, Jimmy. Bad bet. All right, so here's my rule. This is the rule I'm, I'm instituting as president of the company. Unless you have bets to bring at the table, I don't appreciate your attack of my under I'm over. just telling you, that's a bad bet. All right, we're taking under 72 and a half. Main reason for it is a lot of teams, at least on Oregon's standpoint, have shown they're willing to take off the gas a bit against Coach Prime and company. This won't be an embarrassment game, uh, and I don't like the points. I'm not scooping 21 and a half again. I got burnt on that last time. Let's go to the NFL. We'll take Anthony Richardson as an anytime touchdown score against the Rams. Also going to take the Cincinnati Bengals on the money line over the Tennessee Titans. Give me the Bills over the Dolphins. I'll take Travis Kelsey as an anytime touchdown score for Sunday Night Football. And then let's have misery with some company, shall we? Under 46.5 total points in the Denver Broncos and Chicago Bears game. Oh, one last thing. Reds beat the Cardinals today. Yeah, the Reds got to finish strong here, yep. right? Well, your mic is getting shut off now, yep. Jimmy. I agree. Yep. Okay, college football, by the way. Let me give you a couple of games involving ranked teams. Tell me if it's of any interest to you at all. Uh, you've got Penn State at Northwestern. No. No, no thanks. Okay, how about this one? This is fascinating to me. How little, considering they're getting ready to host USC, how little have we heard about Colorado this week? Not a ton. I mean, have you heard about them at all? They popped up in my timeline because they're on the other sports power channel this week. A lot of Coach Prime love headed from the friends at Fox. So, no, I've not. 
Uh, that game, by the way, I, USC's got to be, what, 14 points? 21 and a half. Is that what it is? Which is what Oregon was at game time last week. How about the fighting Jayhawks at Kansas on the road taking on number three Texas? Kansas 24th. Uh, I mean, because of Texas, yes. Yeah. LSU and Ole Miss, pretty good game, right? Yeah, I'll tune in for that. Iowa State at Oklahoma, you can hear that game right here on this radio station. Iowa State typically uh, has a couple of spoiler alerts in them, right? Yeah. And then the big one, Notre Dame and Duke. You know I'll watch that one. You worried about it? As worried in that I respect Duke, but it's less fear and more just determination that this I want this to be a different era of Notre Dame football. Get up off the mat, dust yourself off, take care of business against Duke, and let's let the countdown in the coming weeks to USC begin. Which is a more prestigious academic university? Notre Dame. Ooh. Ooh. Think I mean so? that's tough. You you start to run into circles of people that puff their chest out like, "Oh, I have a degree from Duke." Or, "Oh, I went to, I I don't know." I'd say Notre Dame. I mean, in terms of the overall prestige of the university, you might be right. In terms of the academic accolade, I'd say it's Duke, right? There's no doubt that Notre Dame has I can only his- speak to the former. When I think of diplomas that jump off the page, I would think Notre Dame is near the top. Okay, outside I'm, of the Ivies, of course. I'm looking it up out of sheer curiosity because we have a minute left. All right, University of Notre Dame is number twenty in national universities in U.S. News and World Report. Okay, uh, Duke, hang on, is stand by. Uh, no, it doesn't. Number seven. All right, but I do agree with you that Notre Dame, just the aura of Notre Dame, is is pretty special, yeah. right? Uh, Colts and Rams thoughts, Jimmy. Uh. It's a tight, ugly battle, but it doesn't go the Colts' way this time. 2017 Rams. You know, I, I had said, and I don't know if they've already put it together. When Nick texted us earlier today to ask, it's uh, out there. Our it's score out there. Prediction. See, I, I, I wish this is the problem with that. I, I made my prediction before Bernard Ryman yep. was out, before DeForest Buckner was questionable, before Braden Smith, all of that. A right? caveat for me: I had said earlier in the week to Eddie, and he can vouch for this if he's still feeling friendly towards me, that I was going to pick the Rams. But it should be noted, I didn't get my pick to Nick in until after the Ryman news. So, see, it's unfair. Unlevel fields here. Uh, by the way, we have tickets to give away to Meekum Auctions October fifth, sixth, and seventh. We will close the show with doing exactly that because, Eddie, you're going to want caller number what? Colts are going for win three, so we'll go back to caller three again. I do think the Colts win. I I think Anthony Richardson provides, by the way, 239-1070 if you want the Meekum auction tickets. John is up next for Blue Friday, by the way. He's going to be at the Mucky Duck. I do think Colts win on Sunday just because I think Anthony Richardson does create a little bit of an offensive scheme that is going to be difficult for the Rams to have prepared for. And I think they come up with some plays late and get it done. But it'll be a lot of fun. Aaron Donald finally gets a sack against the Colts. It's one of only like three or four teams he hasn't registered a sack yet. Probably very possible. We'll talk about it all coming up at noon on Monday. John is up next. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.